Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. And welcome to the Delta Besboro in downtown Saskatoon, where they're always under construction in this city. I swear that the roads are made of paper mache. Like, they're always fixing things here. I know we have it bad in Regina, too, but it's just ridiculous here. So, um, fortunately, I made it into my hotel. I made it to rider practice today, and we will have the latest on the Rough Riders as they get set to... Wrap up the preseason in Winnipeg. This show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. If you want to weigh in, you could do so on our text line, 936-6262, and it's powered by our good friends over there at the Capital Auto Group. Um, you can also uh, call that number locally, 936-6262, if you want to talk some sports, or you can... Um, Call one eight six six seven six seven zero six twenty. We've got a great show lined up. We're gonna to go to Kamloops and talk to John Keen, voice of the Kamloops Blazers. They're one and one along with the Seattle Thunderbirds, who lost to the Quebec Rampart yesterday three to one. So Quebec is into the final. They're assured of a final spot. They're taking on the Peterborough Peets, who got blasted, I think, in their last game by Kamloops ten to one. So they're going to uh, try to get back in their get into the win column tonight against Quebec and Patrick Waugh. We'll also uh, talk a little cricket. That's right, cricket. Trying to see if that game explodes in North America. Raul Srinivasan will join us. Say that ten times. Raul Srinivasan will join us uh, just after 3.30. We'll hear from Riders Offensive Coordinator Kelly Jeffrey. And then i got a cool story about a um, young Regina kid that's involved in... Uh, in an eco-friendly uh, racing kind of competition. And uh, he was part of a team. He's a Regina kid, goes to school in Saskatoon here at the Kelsey Institute. And his team uh, won the North American portion and are now off to the Worlds in India. So we'll talk about that and so much more. Let's get to the sports stories of the day. A couple of NHL things going on. Spencer Carberry, never heard of him. Have you, Zinger? No, Spencer. Who? <laughs> exactly. He uh, was uh, an AHL coach, oh, I, I believe, that. with uh, the Washington Capitals uh, AHL affici- uh, f- affiliate in Hershey. He uh, was uh, an assistant coach with the Leafs the last two years. Well, he's now the head coach for the Washington Capitals as he takes over that team. Andrew Brunette, who was the uh, head coach of the Florida Panthers when they won the President's Trophy, then lost, spent last year as an assistant coach in the NHL with the New Jersey Devils. He is now the new head coach of the Nashville Predators as they're planning to fire John Hines, so he is out in Nashville. Spencer Cranberries. Um, Never heard of him. Spencer Carberry is his name. Okay, okay. Bill Foley. Do you remember this prediction from Bill Foley, the owner of the Las Vegas Golden Knights? Now they're called the Vegas Golden Knights. When they were about to embark on their debut season, Bill Foley said, 2017-2018, we will win the Stanley Cup within the first seven years of existence. Then he, everybody thought he was crazy. Then he got, then he doubled down and he said, no, actually we're going to do it 
in the first six years of our existence. And Bill Foley could be right. His Vegas Golden Knights trounced Dallas six to nothing yesterday in Game Seven in Dallas. Now, so they lose Game Six in Dallas, Singer. Mm-hmm. That you're a bigger uh, NBA fan. So, so check this out. The Boston Celtics were trying to become the first ever team to come back from 3 nothing down and win a series. They fought all the way back, get it to Game 7 on their home court against the 8th-seeded Miami Heat, who had to play in just to get into the playoffs. And Jimmy Butler and the Heat go into Boston and trounce the Celtics 103-84. That's what I'm talking so about. So it's going to be the very, the very, I know you predicted that, the very exciting NBA final of the um, <laughs> of the Denver Nuggets hosting the Miami Heat. Boy, isn't that going to be a ratings bonanza? <laughs> and then the NHL won the Vegas Golden Knights against the Florida Panthers. Hmm? So, Zinger, my que- my question to you, and for our fine sports cage shareholders out there, is it better to be swept? Or lose like the Dallas Stars and the Boston Celtics just did. Like, Boston came all the way back to force a game seven. Dallas came all the way back to force a game six. Both got hammered on their home, uh, well, in this case, Dallas Ice and Celtics on their home court. Is it better to see your team get swept and out or come back and lose in epic fashion like that, Singer? Easy. Easy. I'd rather get swept any day of the week. I don't want, I don't want that false hope. Are you kidding me? No, I'd rather get swept. Really, you don't like to watch the you don't like to watch the last you know some extra games. Well, if I if I know beforehand, like no, I want to get swept. I love getting swept. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys had the gentleman sweep as you lost to Miami, so you probably don't feel that bad losing to Miami now. Mm, no, no, I don't. I, I've predicted this uh, since we got eliminated. I say we. Since the Bucks got eliminated, I said Miami Heat, they're going to win the NBA championship, and I stand by it. And once again, the best player in that series, that Boston Heat series, was Jimmy Butler. And once again, the team that Jimmy Butler is on, that's the winning team of the series. So go figure. It's going to be a good series, though, you know. Nikolai Jokic and... And uh, going up against Jimmy Butler and the boys, it's going to be good. Jamal Murray from Canada, yeah. Yeah, Bam yeah I, don't, I think it'll be five be games good. for Denver. I think five games for Denver. Okay. No, you're you're wrong, though. What so. do you got? No, it's going to go seven. What do you got? Miami's going to win in seven. You heard it here. Really? Yeah. You think so, hey? Yeah, I do. Okay. I don't. I don't think so. Um, I know so. I know that this is going to happen. I had a dream a couple nights ago, and I saw the future, and I'm going to stick by it. <laughs> okay. Well, did you? I bought a lottery ticket tonight. Did you see the future for that? That'd be nice if you could see the future for that. No, I haven't seen a future on that yet in my dreams. I'll let you know though. You ever think if psych if if you know and if psychics were that good and that smart, don't you think they'd be rich by now? They would just pick all the numbers. Oh you ever yeah. That? Yeah, that's just that's goofy stuff. <laughs> don't um, don't get wrapped up now, in that I game. To... <laughs> no, Vegas, Florida. Who do you got there? Ah. I'm not even. I haven't watched since the Oilers got knocked out, so I can't sit here and pontificate on who I think is going to win. Um, I, I can't stand Matthew Kachuk. Uh, there are two Regina Pats in this in this uh, series. You got Chandler Stevenson who Ooh. dodged us the last time, and and Josh Mahura. I think I'm going to go with Josh Mahura in Florida. 
Yeah, my 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 head tells me Vegas is going to win in like maybe five, and my heart wants the Florida Panthers to win. I believe this is the first Stanley Cup appearance for Florida since 1996 when they lost to Colorado, and I feel yeah. like they're 52 fans. 2018 Vegas. Yeah, they're 52 fans or whatever they have down there in uh, Miami, Florida. They deserve something to cheer about. So I'm going to go with the Florida Panthers winning the Stanley Cup this year. Let's go. Either way, wow. either way, though, Zinger, call. it'll be the first time. <laughs> either way, Zinger, that's pretty weak. Either way, it'll be the first time that um, that uh, these teams have won a Stanley Cup. So I guess if you're if you're that kind of fan, that's good. Somebody yeah. new will win the Stanley Vegas Cup. De- Vegas doesn't. De- I'm overly excited. Vegas doesn't deserve to win the Stanley Cup. They're too young of a franchise. Their their fans haven't been I through uh, haven't been through the ups and downs. They haven't shed enough tears quite yet to hoist that's Lord exactly Stanley. It. Who'd ever think? And who'd ever think Jack Eichel, who was drafted behind Connor McDavid, would go to the Stanley Cup before Connor McDavid? That's another he got drafted by Buffalo and uh, traded to that's Vegas. That's another reason why that you better be cheering for Florida because all those people will be like, "Oh, see, I told you, Jack Eichel, he's better than Connor McDavid. He has a ring, and yeah. McDavid don't." There's a, there's a few dummies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the Paro World Hockey Championships. We were there yesterday, Zinger, and. Um, uh, Canada whipped Korea 15-1. to <laughs> I think Canada's playing Czechia tonight, if I'm not mistaken. So we'll try to give you those updates as they are made available. And uh, some CFL news, too. Mike Benavides is back in the league. Last couple of years, he was the D coordinator for the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks, but he is now taking over from Dan or Don Janowski, who, uh, because of family circumstances, leaves the BC Lions. So, uh, Mike Benavides, the new special teams coordinator for the British Columbia Lions. We will take a break, and when we come back here from the Delta Besboro in downtown Saskatoon, we'll catch up with John Keane over at the Memorial Cup, the Sandman Center in Kamloops. This is the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. Here on your Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the mighty 620 CKRM. Welcome back to Saskatoon, site of the training camp for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders 2023 edition. They had a spirited workout this morning, went two hours from 9 to 11. We'll get you some of the sights and sounds from training camp over at Griffith Stadium. I'm broadcasting live here from the Delta Vesboro. And, of course, hockey's still going on. We know the uh, less than um, exciting NHL Stanley Cup's going to open up on Saturday, June the 3rd. Why they're waiting until Saturday, I'll never know, but whatever. Might as well drag hockey season out as long as we can. It'll be the Vegas Golden Knights taking on the Florida Panthers. But the highly entertaining Memorial Cup continues in Kamloops. We're talking to the voice now of the Kamloops Blazers, John Keane, on the Western Pizza Hotline. John, thanks for joining me. One and one Kamloops, one and one Seattle. That's coming up uh, tomorrow. Um, Anything surprise you so far early on here? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I think what surprised me, maybe, I think the Remparts might be more well-rounded than people think. We've seen them play two separate games and two separate wins. They played a high-flying 
sort of transitional uh, win, a game and a win against the Blazers to open the tournament. Then they played a real shutdown, patient game against Seattle and, and found a way to win last night. So uh, just the, the, the variance that they can play, they're well coached, and you know they'll go right to the final here already on Sunday. Seems appropriate that it's going to be the Thunderbirds and the Blazers in a very a big game again, a pair of one-on-one teams meeting. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny here, actually, how this is going to shake down because, you know, tonight it's Peterborough and Quebec. Now, Quebec wins, and they've already got first place wrapped up, but we're told they'll dress their best lineup. Their top goaltender, William Russo, will start. Uh, if they win that game uh, in either overtime or regulation, well, the the Kamloops-Seattle game tomorrow is basically a game to decide who gets last change in the semifinal. That's all that will be on the line. Uh, so, so this is almost like a, perhaps a prequel game to the semifinal on Friday. So, But if Peterborough wins tonight, well, then that Seattle-Kamloops game means the, the winner is off to the semi. The loser would have to play Peterborough in a tiebreaker on Thursday. So, I mean, all things being equal, if they do dress their lineup, they should. I mean, they're pretty heavily favored to win that, you have to think. Well, I had some, I've had some interesting conversations with Patrick Waugh this week here, and he's been smirking and grinning and, and having some fun with it. But, um, you know, I, I reminded him today of the 2009 Windsor Spitfires, who the Kelowna Rockets are already wrapped up first place, and we're going to Sunday's final. They were 2-0. and Windsor needed a win for a tiebreaker in that round-robin game. Uh, Kelowna lost. Windsor won. They won the tiebreaker. They won the semi, and then they beat Kelowna in the final. So it's one of these things. If you have a chance to make it a three-team tournament, I think you have to. And uh, I explained this all to Patrick Lye, and he's like... Uh, is basically saying uh, along the lines of thank you so much for explaining this history lesson to me, but I'm only focused on winning tonight's hockey game, and I'm not into scenarios. That's your thing. So uh, it was it was uh, it was fun today, and uh, we're looking forward to tonight's matchup. Any talk about uh, Patrick Waugh around there going to the NHL after this is all done? Oh, did we lose him, Singer? We may have lost him here. We'll see if we can't uh, reconnect with him. Um, John Keen, voice of the Kamloops Blazers at the Sandman Center. Okay, John. John, any any uh, any discussion or rumors about Patrick Waugh maybe looking at the NHL after this tourney? There are some uh, actually out there. <laughs> we lost them for sure this time. Maybe Patrick Waugh is pulling the pin on our discussion here so we can't uh, have any more dista- uh, distractions for us. Quebec Remparts. Yeah, it's Quebec and Peterborough tonight, and then tomorrow it's Kamloops and Seattle. Uh, remarkable. If and when we get John back on the line, my next question is going to be about the lack of success for the Western Hockey League in this tournament because it hasn't been very good. Going into this tournament, they'd only won once since 2008, so what's that, 1-4? And we're outscored like 72-30 or 73-32, something ridiculous like that. So um, very interesting to see uh, what shakes down there. Because, I mean, let's let's be honest, a lot of people have been talking. At least a good handful of people have been talking about the Seattle Thunderbirds. And, I mean, they're an AHL team. They could beat an AHL team. And yesterday it was a tight game. 
Quebec would end up getting an empty net goal to beat Seattle to win 3-1 and as uh, John pointed out assured their, themselves of at least a uh, championship final berth and so they can do themselves and the rest of the teams a favor by uh, closing out Peterborough tonight but if the Peets win tonight then uh, all bets are off so we'll see if that game tomorrow uh, between Seattle and Kamloops will be a uh, last change game or not Zinger it's remarkable we can't get a hold of John so it's remarkable how um, how the uh, WHL teams have not like we talk about this being the best junior league in the world and I, I, I think it is but when when they get to the championship, they just can't seem to get it done, uh, as evidenced even last night by Seattle losing to Quebec, and everybody's bragging about how great Seattle is. And uh, you know the uh, Western Hockey League representative has not won this tournament, but for one time in the last 15 years. Do you know what I think it is? I think it's because the WHL playoffs is just that much more tougher than the rest of the leagues. I mean, yeah, the, it is hard. The, all these great teams in the league on all these game sevens, all these hard-hitting games, by the time they get to the Mem Cup, I mean, they're toast. They don't want to play anymore. You know, that's my philosophy. Well, I think we've heard this before. The uh, I think uh, Bill Wilms, the longtime broadcaster out west, had said um, it the, the the league championship is more important than the Memorial Cup almost, and I don't disagree with that. Like, you look in the East, the East, it is a real slobber knocker to get to the playoffs, whereas out West in the WHL, I think all but two teams make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And so, and two, you usually got two crappy teams. Like this year, it was what, Spokane and Victoria? So you already know, you know, mm-hmm. you're getting into the playoffs, where in the East, you don't know that. Mm-hmm. Look when the Pats hosted here that, that year. They had to play Swift Kern in the first round. Lose to Swift Kern. Swift Kern had to go take on Moose Jaw. Like three of the, three of the best teams in the East were right in our own division. So, I mean, it's a lot tougher to get out of uh, the Western Hockey League. Uh, to get out of your conference, there's the travel issues. It's a it's a much more extensive league in terms of travel and everything like that, as opposed to the Q and the OHL. So it is the best league. It just uh, by the time they get to the Memorial Cup, there's a lot of wear and tear on the body and mental fatigue as well. Are you? So we, uh, we shall see tonight. Are you liking? What? Are you liking the the neck guards or what? Uh, yeah, I like them for the fact that, I mean, they're kids, and I think you should be protected as much as you can. Um, I, I, what I'm trying to say is I don't understand why we don't have it in every league, right? Like, why is it just in the national one? Uh, like, why just in the national tournament? It makes no sense. I think it has to probably do with insurance purposes. Maybe, uh, maybe throughout the year it's covered from each separate league. But now, since it's you know a national tournament, maybe it's some loophole there. That's why they're wearing it. I think it comes down to insurance. Uh, you could be right, Zinger. That's why you're the producer, and I'm just the, oh, oh, the most. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a break. We're break gonna, time. We're going to have news. Yeah, it's break time. Uh, we're going to have uh, news, then Cougars in the cage, and then we're going to talk about the sport of cricket. Yeah, we got all the sports covered, as we'll talk to Raul Srinivasan, who is uh, helping uh, grow the game of cricket in our country. This is the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Back with 
your sports ticker at 3.32. Just one game in the Memorial Cup tonight. The Peterborough Peets taking on the Quebec Remparts. That's at 7 p.m. Saskatchewan time. And the Toronto Blue Jays, they're back on the field tonight, starting up a series at home against the Milwaukee Brewers. That's a 5.07 opening pitch. Cougars in the Cage, a weekly look at the sporting scene of the University of Regina. Cougars in the Cage for Freeze Tallman. Since 1956, Freeze Tallman has been your trusted building materials supplier for every type of project. A Freeze Tallman in Regina and Fort Coppell. Bailey Balaberta of the Regina Cougars women's volleyball team. Bailey, thanks for your time today. Appreciate it. And uh, you'll have a brand new coach leading the squad this coming season, Pratik Yadav, bringing his wealth of experience from the greater Toronto area to Regina. Have you been able to meet with your new coach yet? Yes, I have. Um, We've had a couple Zoom meetings, and um, yeah, they've been great. Right on. So uh, I have never played volleyball before, so I wouldn't know the answer to this question. What's the transition like in volleyball when you have a new coach that comes in and takes control of the team? Because I know from my personal experience, when, say, if you have a new football coach, you know, there's a lot of moving parts, new playbook and such. But what's that process like for a volleyball player? Just understanding how the coach coaches, their philosophy, um, and then I guess it's just another year, you know, of uncertainty. But mm-hmm. um, sports is um, always changing, yeah. so you have to be adaptive. And the coaching staff has to, and also the athletes. So I think it's just keeping an open mind and understanding everything's a change for everyone. So yeah, absolutely. Regina Cougars women's volleyball player Bailey Balaberta today's spotlight and Cougars in the cage. So it's what, May 30th today, season starting in September. What's the off-season look like for a collegiate volleyball player here? What are some of the main workouts or drills that you like to do in the off-season? Um, well, we have our training program from our mm-hmm. trainers at the U of R. Um, we're doing a full load of workouts every week. Um, cardio, equal as much cardio as our strength development. Yeah, we'll be working in our strength phase, and then we'll go to power phase, and then... Working into the season, going to work on plyo and get our vertical back up. And then, yeah, just training hard, practicing. Um, those will be starting up soon. But, yeah, just keeping in shape, keeping your body healthy and also your mind. So, yeah, yeah that's about it. Yeah, that's right, too. Obviously, in volleyball, having a good vertical would be very important. When I think of the vertical, I always think of the NFL and the CFL combine testing when you have guys standing in one spot and they jump as high as they can and they try to reach as high as they can. What kind of things do you work on in the offseason specifically to maybe enhance that vertical? Probably pretty similar. Um, A lot of hurdle jumps, um, diagonal, horizontal, vertical, Mm -hmm. we do box jumps, getting your fast twitch muscles going. Yeah. So any workout that's yeah, doing that, calf races are good. Yeah, anything with your your quads and calves yeah. are the main focus. So outside of volleyball, what is Bailey Batterberta's favorite sport? Favorite sport? Um golf. Yeah. Okay. Has to be golf. Golf, okay. Do you have a favorite team sport? Because my next question was going to be what's your favorite sports team? Um, I'm not too sure. I watch every sport, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't say I have a favorite team. Um, 
my favorite team is my team. So yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I watch everything, but I can't say I have a favorite sport. If you want to pick a National Football League team, uh, you you can always just come on board and be a Green Bay Packers fan with myself oh, and my son okay. and my wife. That would be that, that would be the smart choice. But uh, I'll leave that up to you. I'm just saying, I'm just throwing <laughs> it out there. Bailey okay. Batterberta of the Regina Cougars uh, women's volleyball team. Thanks for your time today and good luck this season. Looking forward to watching you. Thank you very much for having me. All right. Bailey Battleberta of the Regina Cougars women's volleyball team. Today's feature on Cougars in the Cage. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome back to Saskatoon, everybody. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule for or, uh, to listening to us. You can always... Uh, Get us at the 620CKRM on the airwaves or where you get us online. Anywhere you get us online, you can go to 620CKRM and uh, listen there, get our app, and you can take us anywhere you want. 936-6262 is the number to text, powered by the Capital Auto Group. You can always uh, call that number, 2936-6262, locally, or 1-866-767-0620. We'll get to some rider talk next with Kelly Jeffrey, the offensive coordinator of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Pretty good performance for his squad, his first uh, game as the uh, coordinator of the offense for the Rough Riders, the 30-27 to preseason victory over the BC Lions, their first preseason victory in 10 years. We try to cover a lot of sports on the sports cage, as you know, and uh, this Tuesday we're uh, pleased to be joined by Raul Srinivasan. He is the CEO of Boundaries North as they're trying to uh, fire up the game of cricket here and, and get, it, get it more exposure in Canada. Raul, thanks for joining me. Hey, Michael. Thanks so much for having me on the show. And, yeah, it's an exciting time in Canadian cricket. Yeah, so talk about that. I, I, we, have a, we have a cricket field here in South Regina right near our uh, track and field, and uh, I, I see more and more activity there. Just talk about how the sport is growing here in the country, and, you know, it has to do with a lot of immigrants and new Canadians coming to our country. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, the, the, the awesome part is if you drive around Canadian cities in the summer, in our summer months, our short summer, um, you'll see parks full of people playing cricket. Um, and that speaks to a big strength um, in the sport in Canada. You've got really, really strong grassroots participation, to your point, that's really fueled by people who have come to Canada as new Canadians, who come from countries in South Asia and the Caribbean, the UK, Australia, where cricket is a mainstream sport. Um, and then really what the, the strongest element of the cricket ecosystem here in Canada is, is just really good local participation. So I'm thrilled to hear that you've seen a cricket ground uh, locally, and I'm sure it's, uh, it's busy in those summer months with people looking to play in their local leagues. Um, so really, yeah, we're looking to capitalize on you know, the passion and the interest in the sport here um, and do a lot of stuff so that we can raise the profile uh, of the sport across the country. Before we get to how you're raising the profile across the country, for a guy like me, I'm uh, 50 years old. I'm a, a, a white guy born on the prairies that uh, wouldn't really know the first thing about cricket. Just kind of like you know, you got like I said, you got a lot of first uh, first time Canadians or immigrants coming here, and they're wondering what that big white stadium is on Elphinstone Street in downtown Regina. Why does everybody dress up in green and white and go watch these guys tackle each other? Of course, I'm talking about the Riders and the CFL, which is huge here. So tell a guy like me what what makes this sport so exciting and interesting. 
Well, I mean, personally, um, I only watched my first cricket game when I was a teenager. I watched a game uh, in the 2003 World Cup, India and Pakistan. Um, before that, I was um, a pretty competitive baseball and hockey player, um, and, and I've always mm-hmm. had a keen interest in, in American football. Um, and immediately after watching that game, I fell in love with it, played it pretty competitively. Um, but if, if you watch it for the first time, it can be complicated, especially if you're familiar with baseball. You went from a diamond to an oval. There's no foul balls. Mm-hmm. Um, there are different formats of the <laughs> game. Some parts of the game can be played over five days. There's other versions that are played over eight hours. And now with T20 cricket, which is gaining... Um, a lot of momentum in fandom worldwide. That's played af- played in a three-hour period, which is, you know, from a commercial perspective, sort of the the sweet spot for broadcasters and fans to tune in and not dedicate an entire day. So, I would say on surface level, it can look really, really complicated. But the the interesting thing is that you know, baseball was actually born out of cricket when cricket came to North America from the UK. So it's actually the other way around in in, in the way that people think about it. That baseball, you know, has a lot of foundations from cricket. Um, the game, yeah, I mean, it can be it can be really confusing. But I think the one thing that stands out if anybody watches, you know, a cricket game being broadcast is just the passion of the fans. Um, as I mentioned before, I'm a passionate American football fan, and I like I liken the passion that cricket fans have for the sport to, you know, some of the the passion that we have, you know, probably in, in your neck of the woods, and then also in some parts of the, the United States for for football. It's that rabid sort of feverish passion where you know people live and die by each ball, and so we call it a ball and not a pitch. Um, uh, in in cricket, and and that's that's the biggest thing. It's just there's so much passion for the sport, and people really, you know, they 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 plan their lives around it, they plan their weekends around it, um, and are so enthusiastic about it. Well, you'd have to you'd have to plan your weekend or week around it when you have it go for five days. That's that's an interesting, uh, unique element about it for for that version of the game. Yeah, that's test cricket, and that was his earlier form. And, you know, the history goes back to, you know, the United Kingdom um, and when they, you know, asserted influence over, um, you know, their their different colonies across the world. That's what they took to all these different countries like India, like places mm-hmm. like South Africa, Australia, which is test cricket. And that version, you know, people have its... Um, you know, people have its reservations on whether it will truly survive. But, you know, you talk to people who really love the game and it, it fills a unique spot in the game that's more about concentration and longevity, um, a battle of attrition. Um, whereas younger fans are really into T20 cricket, which is, you know, you look at Bollywood movie stars and fireworks and dancing um, and, you know, thrilling, thrilling finales. Yesterday was the final of the Indian Premier League and it came down to the last ball, the equivalent of coming down to, you know, the last few seconds of a field goal in a football game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the different versions of the sport fill different roles for different people. Um, and it kind of is, you know, you know, you get to pick and choose, you know, off the menu as to what version of the sport truly resonates with you. That's neat. So uh, in your role, what are you trying to do to help grow this game and get more and more people interested in it? Do you have diff- different initiatives, different things planned? Yeah, lots of things. I mean, we could look at it from a you know bottom-up perspective or a top-down perspective. I think from a bottom-up, simply is to get you know more and more people playing the game. So on our roadmap is to you know work with a lot of the school boards coast to coast to get cricket as part of a you know a core function of physical education programs. Uh, work with you know local municipalities, provincial organizations to really spread the awareness of the game. So that's you know trying to get more people playing. Where we're immediately focused is really making some key investments in Cricket Canada and specifically in our national 
national team programs. You know, it's a great way to raise the profile of a sport if we've got the Canadian team requalifying for the World Cup, which mm-hmm. is actually you know quite uh, quite a, a feasible achievement coming up in September. There's an important tournament in Bermuda where Canada can can stamp their ticket to the 2024 World Cup of cricket after being away from it for almost 15 years. So we're really looking to support at the elite level. One of the important things is understanding the pathway to make professional cricketer a true a true thing in Canada so that people can focus on the game um, in the long run. So we're, we're focused at, you know, sort of both ends of the spectrum to grow the game, but then also, you know, when people are really doing well, uh, are identified as a high potential athlete, are playing for the national team, that they have the ability to focus on it as a profession. And by mm-hmm. doing that, I think our national team performance can really, really improve. And, uh, and you know, before I, I, I end on that point, I think what we're really also focused on is kickstarting women's cricket. Um, the program is at you know a stage where it needs investment, it needs time, it needs attention, um, and women's cricket is really taking off in parts of the world like Australia, the UK, and India. And we ask ourselves, why not here in Canada? Because we've got amazing uh, female athletes across the country. So that's one of the key things that we're looking at quite closely. So Raul, uh, you're with the Boundaries North. Do you have a website, or where can they go get more information if they want to uh, yeah. just to kind of uh, delve into this a little more? Yeah, the, the the website is boundariesnorth.ca. That's our website. It you know gives a brief overview of sort of how we're looking at different parts of cricket in the country and what we're aiming to do. Um, and that's got all the the good information on our mission and uh, and our plans for the sport in this country. That's Raul Srinivasan, uh, the CEO of Boundaries North. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. All right, we'll have more of the uh, sports cage from Saskatoon. We'll check in with the Riders offensive coordinator, Kelly Jeffrey, next. It's a Tuesday edition, and it's brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the sports cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to Saskatoon at the Delta Besboro Hotel is where I'm situated here in the lobby. Got some road construction going on outside. Must be summer in Saskatoon. I know we have it in Regina, too, but it always seems that this place is always under construction. Although beautiful by the river, I'll give them that. Uh, the Rough Riders up here enjoying their time in Saskatoon, although, you know, the guys are ready for camp to be over. Facilities are great, food's good, but they just like to get down to business for real. They'll wrap up the silly season on Friday in Winnipeg. We'll have the broadcast beginning at 3.30. Sean Kleisinger will step in for me and do an abbreviated sports cage from 3 to 3.30. Then 3.30 to 6.30 is our broadcast. Well, 3.30 to 6.30 is our pregame show broadcast, 6.30 to 9.30. And then our world-famous sports cage radio roundtable with Daniela Don Hewitt, the professor, and Plaza of Honor running back Wes Cates. Uh, Kelly Jeffrey, offensive coordinator with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in his first year. And even though it was the preseason, he got to bang off the rust and get going as the OC for the first time in a game. We had a chance to catch up with him after practice. All right, here with the Riders OC, Kelly Jeffrey. I like the swagger in the first game. How did you feel initially and then looking back at the tape? Uh, initially, I, I liked the balance. You know, I, I think we had eight or nine different guys catch a ball. Um, saw some different backs kind of show what they can do. Each quarterback kind of had their moment where they had a, a big play or two on offense. And uh, I like the efficiency overall of the offense. You know, I, I thought we were really good. You know, high completion percentage, um, moving the chains. That, that's what we want it to look like when it's all up and going. Jake Dolagala seemed to, uh, you know, 
before the game. He was kind of up and down in camp, missed the day of practice because of some court stuff. And uh, he really uh, showed himself well in that game, I thought. I thought so, too. I, I thought he got stronger really with every drive. You know, um, I don't think Jake's had a ton of pro um, reps where, he, where he's in there and he's throwing the ball a lot, seeing coverages. And so the more he does that, the stronger he's going to get. He's just going to get better every time out. And so um, you could kind of feel maybe there's a little bit of a slow start, but as he got in the flow of things, we got a couple first downs, then you could really see that he was throwing on time. He was confident in his throws. And so I was I was really happy with that. Mason Fine showed some resiliency after that pick six to the local guy, Ryder Varga. How much can you as an OC help a guy out like that? Because he's coming off the bench. He's deep in his territory. He's been standing around all game just how much can you help him after a play like that well you try and help his confidence you know you let him know that uh he's a great quarterback and and uh, just to shake that off flush it and move on to the next and and he has that mentality too he's he's seen so many you know passing plays in his career you know he came from a college where they threw it pretty much every down and so um i don't think that phases him he's been through that before and so it just it stinks when it happens your very first play in and it's just such a clean pick six that you almost don't know what happened but, you know, bounce back. I think it was eight for nine with a couple TDs, a couple long drives, um, really smart throws, a couple with guys in his face hitting him as he's, you know, putting it on the money. So um, to see the way he responded says a lot about his, his character and his drive. We've got a few days left before the game in Winnipeg. Any ideas of coming into focus, how you're going to approach that at that quarterback spot? I know you want to get Harris some reps, but you already know kind of that he's your guy. It looks like it's a nice problem to have behind him. It is, and one of the one of the tough things with Trevor is it's it's a new offense for him, you know, and and you know he missed some days uh, with the birth of his child, um, you know he didn't get any reps in rookie camp, and so uh, he probably doesn't have much more reps than a lot of the backups, you know, in terms of this offense, and so we we have to get him some some reps. We got to get him some flow, the procedural stuff, um, how we do our cadence, and getting in and out of the huddle, um, you know, maybe a couple of his favorite plays, but that's the hard part. He does need reps still because this isn't an old offense for him. So uh, managing that is tough. Like you said, we, we've got really good backup options behind him. I mean, the quality of depth there is it's, it's excellent. It really is. And so, um, you know, I, we'll, we'll figure it out. We haven't decided that yet. We're still working on it. What would you say has been the biggest uh, difference for you uh, converting, uh, I guess, helping change the offense? Uh, obviously, Jason Moscow's you come in. Uh, how long have you been working at this for and just trying to get everyone comfortable and on the same page? Well, you know, the, the day I got the job, I, I was, you know, putting pen to paper, trying to uh, come up with an ideal offense and um, so it's it for me it's been a, a long time coming and putting it all together and so you know once you start seeing it all um, you know work and, and really in practice today we saw some of that some of the big play explosives we can have because we set up the run game um, you know I love play action that type of stuff and so um, just seeing it all come together and, and seeing how the guys are responding because it's it's new for a lot of guys it's new terminology it's some new ideas it's a new vision of how we want to do things as well so it takes a little bit longer, but you can see it. You can see it in the guys as they start to light up and start to feel how it's supposed to look, uh, see the big plays, things like that. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's exciting. Whatever your thoughts been on the offensive line so far, uh, there's a lot of moving pieces there. Everyone's trying to rebuild it and uh, protect Harris. Uh, just kind of give me your uh, ideas on what you've seen. 
Uh, I think it's been good. And again, uh, the quality of depth matters. You know, we're, we're still um, evaluating guys. Um, you know, I, I think we've um, given ourselves, uh, really through free agency, a quality of depth on the interior with the guards and center mix that we have. Um, you know, Phil Blake, he's, he has the ability to go outside or inside. Um, so there's there's some real talent there. And, um, you know, we mostly just got to help those guys out. You know, I, I was really happy with the preseason game. You know, I, most of those quarterbacks had a lot of time to stand in there. Um, and, and survey the field without feeling heat in their face right away, and, and that matters for a quarterback's play. You know, and, you know when a quarterback does that well, it's usually because somebody in front of them is giving them time to throw. Um, but overall, it's it's a good group. I, I like I said, we we're just going to keep trying to help out the O line. One of the biggest compliments we get is when we talk to the defensive line, and they say, "Wow, you guys do a lot of different things to kind of slow us down." You know, that all helps the offensive line and, and makes their job easier too. Talk about a couple of those American receivers, Kendall Watson and uh, Corbin the third had a nice a 50-50 ball or as you like to say an offense an 80-20 ball to score a touchdown yeah so uh Corbin just fights for the ball like you know when that ball's in the air you can see his mentality is I'm going to be the guy to come down with it um he's physical that way you know he's he doesn't look like big but he, he plays a lot bigger than he is so he can go get those um so he's been a real pleasant surprise especially we moved him around to different positions early in camp and so uh it took him a little bit to settle in there and then Watson I mean, every every practice, the preseason game, he just does something electric, um, really every time out. And so he's someone, again, that um, has, has really, really got that big play potential. You know, he and Bain are very similar bodies that they can, you know, if, if you're not careful, they can get an explosive at any time. So, um, he, yeah, he's done something almost every practice that's been really excellent. This is the ultimate job interview anywhere, all right? You're not only auditioning for this team, but there are other teams watching. And I love it. Um, you got... You know, the Canadian receiver Breskison making a couple of big plays, and then Mitch Pickton steps up in the fourth quarter. Another Canadian, hey, if he does it, I'm going to do it. Two touchdowns. Talk about those guys in the battle that you have, even amongst the Canadians on your roster there. Well, that's the thing. We look at our Canadian receivers, and we just feel so lucky, uh, the, the group that we have. You know, we, we don't design any plays or look at anything like, well, maybe, you know, we shouldn't have the Z involved here because they, they have just responded to every time the balls come their way with tough catches. They run great routes. They've been blocking great. Um, so those Canadian group is, uh, it's really, really talented. I, I can't believe what we stepped into in terms of quality of talent between Imelis and Picton and, you know, Linnaeus and uh, Breskison. And, um, you know, at, at some point, Schaefer Baker's going to be back on the way. And uh, and so, man, it's it's a good group. We're, we're, we're lucky. We're in a good spot with those guys. And lastly, how about yourself? I mean, you have a great resume down south, and then up here, you know, Mount Allison uh, coaching here last year, and uh, you really do seem like a good fit. How much has that helped you? Like, you hit the ground running. You know the Canadian game. Well, that's what was helpful for me, and you know, I and I've spoke on it before. When I got to Mount Allison, I was able to experiment and toy with some ideas. You know, when I took over, it was uh, it was a very down and out program, and so uh, no one cared if you went out and made a mistake. You had a, you really yeah. had a blank canvas to try some things, and. Um, um, you know, a lot of those concepts we use there, what we use now, um, because we were undersized at O-line. We, we, we didn't have many skill guys, and so you had to find a way. How are we going to move the ball without a dominant O-line? You can't just line up and play traditional football. You know, you've got to set up some good angles. you got to run some jet sweeps. you got to do some play action. you got to fool some people. And, uh, and, and that's just good football. It's not whether you have good personnel or not. It's just, you know, one day it hit me, that's just good football. That's how you're supposed to do it. And so that's what I've tried to take with me from there. 
620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. And our show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. And you can always weigh in on our uh, text line powered by the Capital Auto Group, 936-6262, the number two text. we still got Pick the Score coming up here in a little bit. But uh, first, let's hear from our friend Luke Molitor, who's going to join us now on the Western Pizza hotline. How are you today, Luke? Good, man. Good. I was just, uh, I was literally just um, today thinking about the exhibition game Friday. But more importantly, mm-hmm. Calgary and BC play at 8.30 p.m. on Thursday. Now, you and I will be in, you and I will be in Winnipeg. But, I mean, if Ryder Nation needs a game to tune into, or at least the first half to tune into, it should be that one. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And I'm, you know, we tr- we talked to Coach Craig Dickinson. We'll hear his comments, but it looks like he's going to go with his veterans for uh, at least a quarter, but maybe even the entire first half. I think you're probably in agreement with that. Yeah, I was saying yesterday how uh, you know I would assume that they would take the first half and and maybe the first series into the third quarter, and then let the uh, the rotation um, take care of itself. There'll be a little bit more of an evaluation here on uh, on the film, but I mean. You know, when it comes to probably setting the team, all that second game is going to do is confirm suspicion, right? Okay, you know what, we're on the right path here, or you know, we're. Um, I, I think that the majority of their their cuts in their mind, and, or at least in Jeremy O'Day's mind, are, are probably made, um, and and we'll see a we'll see a rotation. I, I would assume at some point, but yeah, I, I'd be surprised if 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 their starters for Saskatchewan and Winnipeg didn't play the first, the entire first half and, and maybe even a series into the third quarter. So um, I think still, though, uh, Gerald Hawkins isn't going to play on Friday. He's away with some family stuff. He'll be back the following week. So they pretty well have got him penned in for left tackle. But I'm still um, – they're still skeptical, I think, of uh, their tackle spots. At least that's what I'm getting from the coaching staff. Yeah, well, well here's the thing. I mean – I mean, Gerald Hawkins got to play, right? Like, we got, I mean, mm-hmm. we should be skeptical on Gerald Hawkins, too, right? I mean, just because a guy <laughs> yeah, is, true. Is, is, is put in at left tackle the entire camp, I mean, he still has no CFL experience, right? He still has to see, he still has yet to see live bullets. Um, the, 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 the closest possible game action he would have seen was going to be the green and white game, right? Like, so, I mean, you've got to be skeptical with all the tackles at the moment. So I, I would I would say that Saskatchewan probably has a fair amount of not anxiety, but uh, yeah, I would say that they have a fair amount of skepticism heading into that game because you got to see your guys, right? It's not good enough to just name a guy, mm-hmm. right? We we saw what happened yeah. when we named the guy last year, right? I mean, Ty <laughs> Rogers was the guy all the way through camp, and you know, and then I mean, then it was it, when when was he gone by week twelve, right? So. Yeah, you've yeah. got to you got to eventually Luke. see you know what your soldiers are like in in a real war. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, there's two guys that came over in uh, free agent signing uh, uh, period, and they came over from Calgary, and 
Still waiting to see what the Riders got in them. And Sean Bain Jr. and Stefan Banks. So it's going to be interesting to see how much we get to see of them this week and uh, really how it shakes now once the roster set. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that Sean Bain Jr. right now is underwhelmed. Um, I think that I actually um, think I actually think Kendall Watson. I told Kendall today if I took 15 and put it on his jersey and 88 and put it on on Bain Jr., I wouldn't know the difference. That's how I feel right now. Yeah, right. Uh, and I think that I think that um, Stephen Banks is, is is not only underwhelmed, but I'm I'm worried that, and, and I'm worried that he might have disappointed. Right? Um, you, you don't you don't grab a guy through free agency. I mean, look. Look at the um, look at the the guy we got um, uh, we had at left tackle last game. I mean, we got him out of free agency and he started the whole way. Stephen Banks, we got him from free agency the same way, and he was he w- he wasn't even given the opportunity to start in the exhibition game, right? If he was not healthy, that'd be one thing. He just wouldn't have played, right? Um, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I have a feeling that that uh, when we look at the depth chart on. Thursday when the riders put it out. I've got a sneaking suspicion that it'll be Brian Cox Jr. and 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 I can almost, you know, 90% of of what we see on 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 Thursday's depth chart, 90% of that's probably going to look the same on week the opening week of the season, week 1 versus Edmonton in Edmonton. Okay, Nostradamus, then who do you got uh, your sneaking suspicion at quarterback behind Trevor Harris? Yeah, well, I could have the power of Nostradamus, but Nostradamus by four hundred, and 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 I wouldn't know that. I, I've, it's probably the man. I, I I've got more interest in that currently than how the pyramids in Egypt were put together. That's that's where I'm at with that. I think <laughs> that um, I think that uh, I think that it was. I think that it might have been decided, and then Jake Dolgala came out and looked like Tom Brady. Um, then Shea Patterson, I think that he he ex- performed exactly to the standard that they would have expected him to perform based on camp, and I think Mason Fine just totally threw everybody into a little bit of a spin with the, with the resilient display that he put on. So yeah, I, I've got no clue. I think that um, do you do you wait? Do you put any weight to? the practices on a five-day stretch, right, or, or six-day difference, do you put any weight in the evaluation on the practices that you do Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday? And Thursday's a walkthrough, remember. So Tuesday and Wednesday, like what did those quarterbacks do? Did one of those quarterbacks look totally, you know, look totally above where everybody else was, right? Like that's that's where I feel like. Yeah, they all look like pretty this, close. They, they all look pretty close today, from what I could see. They all look pretty close today. Trevor well, Harris was good. So do you, the offense. Do you, yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. So do you like, like, and very rarely. I mean, I mean, it, it's coming down. I feel like that's coming down to the wire. And retro, and, and on the opposite side of the fence, for instance, I think that I think that the D line is, is probably decided, right? Whereas quarterbacks, I think that you know whatever they did today during during Skelly, during, uh, like, that getting evaluated the same way. It's really interesting battle. I haven't seen this. I mean, I've been doing this. This is my, what, sixth year doing this? Um, I, and I started I started following training camps after I retired, probably in 2014, so almost nine years of doing this. This is the first time I've seen a quarterback battle 
from number two down to number four be this interesting. Like, it's pretty cool to watch. Normally, normally you know the guys, you know the, the two and three guys probably first week of camp and everything else just sort of proves you're right. From this, like, at this point right now, there's if someone tells you all, oh, well, this is how the depth chart's going to be, they're they're guessing because I think the only person that knows what the depth chart's going to be like is, is is Coach Dickinson in jail. So, I get what you're saying about the quarterback spot. That might be, um, you know, that's going to come down to the wire. But for the most part, do you think about 85% of this roster's uh, made up? Like they know who they've in yeah, their I mind right now. They know who, who they thinks there, and then these other guys are either going to confirm or totally blow the thing up in Winnipeg on Friday. Well, I think they okay. So let's start. Let's start on the on on the established side. Let's start at the the bell cow of this team for the last two years. The defense. For a while, really, since 2015. So, secondary, they've they've got that locked in. They probably have the backups and the practice roster guys locked in as well. Linebackers, I would say that they're they're looking for maybe one guy, but they're locked in, right? And they're probably trying to figure out, okay, you know, who's going to be the better special teams player, and that's the the better special teams player on on uh, Friday is going to be the guy that, that 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 we go with, right? I think that the defensive line is probably. Um, I think that they might be, if, if there's any conversation or, or questions, they might be questioning as to like just sort of how it plays out between the four uh, interior tackles, Michael Johnson. Well, Anthony Lanier is not part of this conversation. Let's say three. So they're probably trying to figure out just what, what the three, the combination of Miles Brown, Demarcus Christmas and Micah Johnson look like, right? And I do think that they're looking at the, like they're, they're probably trying to confirm their defensive end to start start the year excuse me i think that they're undecided on offensive line they're probably decided on quarterbacks they're they're definitely decided on running backs i would say and they're probably mm, i'm pretty sure that they're set at the wide receiver spot too all right so i'm gonna let you go but that's your homework for we're gonna have you on a little later on in the show but i for tomorrow that's your homework i want you to pick the roster what you think the roster is going to be without before we go into the game the, the way-too-early rider roster from Luke Molitor tomorrow, okay? All right, I'm on it. Okay, good, man. We'll talk to Luca just before uh, 6 o'clock. Once again, you'll come back for another segment. When we come back, an interesting, an interesting story to deal with race car driving. This is the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. And now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. Head coach Butler and Grant Williams will defend. Shot clock at seven. Butler with a three. Bring it up for Jimmy. Jimmy Butler of the Miami Heat said, "Enough with this already. Enough of this. Let's just end this series." And he came out yesterday with a game high: twenty-eight points, seven rebounds, six assists. And the Miami Heat move it on to the NBA championship, where they will take on the Denver Nuggets. Who would have predicted that at the beginning of the season, huh? Miami-Denver in the NBA Finals. Game one goes Thursday night in Denver. Jimmy Butler, your sports cage clutch performer for Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent Dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. 
Welcome back to the show, live from Saskatoon, training camp 2023. Uh, on the backstretch here, the Rough Riders have a practice tomorrow, a walk through Thursday. They fly to Winnipeg, play the Blue Bombers on Friday, come back here, and then it's back to Regina as we get set for the regular season opener against Chris Jones and the Edmonton Elks, who is sticking with his field goal kicker, Zinger, last name Faithful. Uh, and he said today in practice that he... <laughs> Yeah, the the target line for the field goal is 40 yards until the kicker can realize that he can use the same stroke to hit a longer field goal. Get out of here! Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! And you got rid of you got rid of Castillo for that. Okay. Oh, we can't lose to them in week one, can we? We cannot lose to them in week one. No, we're not going to lose to that. Are you kidding me? No, no, not. Gonna we lose. have to win. Hey, I think you told me we got a caller on the line, Brian, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, from BC. Okay, Brian in BC. Go ahead, Brian. You're on the sports cage. Yes, my concern is our offensive our offensive line. Last year, I don't think all the problems of Cody Fajardo was solely his. I mean, his our offensive line resembled Swiss cheese at times. And I'm sorry to see that they don't have Dan... Don Clark back in the lineup. Yeah, well, I think they got a good replacement at Peter Godber. We still have to, the jury's still out. We didn't see him yesterday in a game, and by all accounts, he's been a pretty solid center. Um, Dan Clark, obviously a legend around here, but uh, Father Time was catching up with him in terms of his body, and they decided to to move on from him. So that's a, a decision they made, and I think, Brian, we're pretty good in the middle. Like, we've got some strength there and some depth. Philip Blake is a nice addition. I know he's 37, but he got into football late, and he also uh, was very versatile last year for the uh, Toronto Argonauts, playing all five spots in the offensive line. Finished up at left tackle as they went on to win the Grey Cup against a very good Winnipeg team. So I think Phil Blake's going to be good. Uh, Logan Furlan looks better than ever. Evan Johnson will be there battling for a starting spot, and if not, a very capable backup. Logan Bandy got some good snaps. So I think we're okay there. Uh, still can't tell you about the tackle spots yet, and that is an area of concern, so I agree with you. Hawkins is a guy um, who, uh, Gerald Hawkins, who has NFL experience, uh, hasn't played in a year and will not play this week in Winnipeg because he's back for some family stuff. So that is a bit of a question mark going into the season. I agree. And they still haven't got that right tackle nailed down yet, although I think Eric Lofton and Tremont Shorts did a pretty good job. Uh, Lofton played left tackle last week against the BC Lions. Shorts played right tackle. They brought in counsel. They signed another guy, Adonis Boone, today. So he went to New Orleans Saints camp. So they're trying to figure that out still, but uh, it's not like a Jeremy uh, O'Day and Kyle Carson are standing pat. They're trying to turn over every stone. So I think they recognize what you recognize. But I will say this, Brian. Uh, the offensive line got unfairly attacked at times last year. If you watch the film, and I have watched some of the film now, um, I would say it was probably a 60% offensive line problem. Sometimes you have some... Uh, receiver issues in terms of running the routes sometimes you have some blocking issues with your running back but in a good chunk of those cases it was Cody Fajardo's fault he would he would uh 
take his drop too deep. He would spin out into quarterback sacks. He would get mesmerized by a three-man rush because, in fairness to him, he was banged around like a pinata at times. He's only human. But he wouldn't be looking past the rush. He'd be more concerned about that than looking at the wide-open receivers crossing in front of his face 15 yards downfield. So you can't blame that on the offensive line, in my opinion. No, Okay. Anyway, I have book tickets for September 29th when they come out here. So we will be, there will be 10 of us rooting for the riders. Oh, and awesome. I would say when we, come, when we go to BC Place, I would think there's between 15 to 20% of the fans are wearing green. Anyway, I thank mm-hmm. you for your time and hope to see you in, Bri- in Bri- September. Brian, are you Brian? Before you go, I'm not rushing you off here. Are you a are you like a Saskatchewan transplant, or are you just a BC guy that cheers for the Riders? I I be, I became a I'll tell you my history. Way back yep. in '63, when they used to take a two game total point series, Calgary mm-hmm. won the first game 35 to nine, and we came, Saskatchewan came back to win it. 48-47, and I thought these guys are worthy of my support. I've I've never lived anywhere else other than B.C. Well, that's awesome, Brian. Hey, man, uh, I hope to hook up with you. Uh, tell you what, leave your leave your number there with my producer, and I'll try to uh, uh, cross paths with you when we come into town, okay? Okay. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. That's Brian and okay. BC. That's a great story. That's a great story. Hey, uh, Zinger, while we got a second here, let's uh, get right back out on the Western Pizza Hotline. I want to talk to this next guy. Now, uh, truth be told, this guy's a friend of my son's. They went to high school together, Riffle. So this guy's an NOD guy. He grew up in Regina. He's uh, 20, 21 years old. 21, Lyndon, or 20? Lyndon, are you there? 21. 21. So Lyndon Herperger is a Regina guy, goes to Kelsey Institute here in uh, Saskatoon, and you are involved. Tell, tell my listeners exactly the competition you're involved in. You guys won North America. You're off to the worlds in India. But what's this for? I saw pictures of you at the Indy 500 in this fan-dangled futuristic machine. Tell me about it, Lyndon. Uh, yeah, we've got a team that we go down. We participate and compete in the Shell Eco Marathon. Uh, it's a global fuel economy competition hosted and put on by Shell. And uh, we've, uh, as a school, been part of it since 2017. We build build these cars that go down there. Like you said, they look a little little bit different. They're uh, they're 3D printed, and we use recycled carbon fiber hockey sticks as the frame. Uh, the one car, the smaller one, is battery powered. And then our larger one, we actually use a, an ice auger engine, so we're keeping it close to home. And, uh, yeah, like you said, we uh, had some pretty good success this year. We went down there, and we were able to win our mileage competition, which qualified us to compete in a, a race with a grid start. And the top four people from that race were invited to Worlds, which uh, we finished second. So come October, we're heading down to India to, uh, to represent Saskatchewan at, uh, at Worlds. That is outstanding. So talk about this. Like you talked about, it's, it, it, it has to do with fuel. So what, do they give you so much fuel and you have to do so many laps around the Indy 500 track? How does that work? Yeah, so for the qualifying part of it, they fill your tank up uh, and they send you out there to do four laps and there's a time limit. So there's an average speed that you've got to maintain to uh, have the run be valid. Uh, you get sent out there, you come back in, they are able to view your energy usage live and then they obviously put it all together at the end and, you know, 
say, here you go, you used X number of, of liters or <laughs> in our case, milliliters. Um, <laughs> and, and then that's how you get ranked for that mileage competition. But then the, the plot twist is that once you get to the race, they look at your, your fuel use. They said, all right, you used, you know, X number of liters or whatever in your qualifying. We're going to give you the same amount to go out and do your race. So you're on the grid with eight other cars, but everyone's got different amount, different amount of uh, energy to use. So it's really quite the strategic battle to, to be able to do well in the race and the mileage competition. That is pretty cool. And, uh, who, like, are you the driver? Who's the driver? Yeah, uh, so we go down there. We've got two drivers, one primary, one secondary, kind of how we do it. And, uh, yeah, the last two years I was the, the, the driver for the bigger of the two cars. I physically don't fit in the smaller car, <laughs> so we've got some <laughs> some smaller dudes on the team who drive that. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, I was the driver this year. So how fast are you going? Uh, during the mileage competition, there's really no speed limit. Uh, we built it ourselves, so it gets pretty sketchy. But I think the fastest I've gone is probably getting closer to 50 kilometers an hour. And then within the race, mm-hmm. they cap you at 40. Uh, you'll be invalidated mm-hmm. and disqualified if you go over that. And it, it sounds slow, but <laughs> when you're in there, it, it definitely feels quicker than that. Yeah, and what's it like being at the famous track like that, Indy Five, the Indianapolis uh, Motor Speedway? It's fantastic. It's a great venue. Like the, you know, it's a world class venue in itself. Like all the just bathrooms and you know all the, all the stuff that you would expect. It's all really nice. And then the track itself. I mean, it, they've got warm weather down there, and the track surface is gorgeous. And it's one of those things you don't really expect that you're going to have a chance to drive on a track of that caliber, let alone really any professional racetrack. And to to kind of be sent down there and strapped in and said, all right, you know, go race. It's definitely a little bit surreal and, and super cool. You're humble, man, because my son uh, told me, hey, call Lyndon. Like, Lyndon's doing this. It's cool. I saw pictures and everything. So when do you go down to uh, to India or to India? Not down to India, but when do you go to India for this competition? Uh, so the competition itself is running October 10th to 12th. Uh, I think we fly in there. We'll arrive on the 8th. So, yeah, middle of October. So we've got a, we've got a guy on our team who uh, who was born close to where the where we're going to be competing and he said that October isn't too too bad. He said it's around thirty, so we're still going to be cooking. Okay, that's as, that's uh, not you know. bad. Hey, so so lastly, before we let you go, because we're against the clock, so what does it look like now? Do you guys have to fine tune the car, or what? Like in terms of fuel efficiency, what are you doing now? We're tinkering with the hockey stick frame, or what? Uh, mostly just fixing a couple little things and, and working on the engine tuning side of it. Uh, the car is getting put on a slow boat come July first, so we don't have a ton of time. But, yeah, really just trying to cram in any fixes that we broke while we were down there and, and trying to squeeze the last little bit out. Obviously, with it being a world competition, some of the European teams and, and teams from Asia are pretty good, so we'll, we'll have our work cut out for us. Well, we'll be uh, following it closely, Lyndon Herpiger. Thanks, sir. Thanks for your time, man. Congratulations and best of luck, okay? Thank you very much. Take care. Take care. That- that's Lyndon Herperger from Regina, Kelsey Institute here in Saskatoon, and he is uh, in an eco race. Uh, you know, basically built around fuel economy. What an outstanding thing going on there in India, and of course they were top four finishers in North America. Yeah, they compete in the Shell Eco Marathon, a worldwide fuel economy based. Uh, competition. Uh, so uh, three regional events and one world event. We'll be following that. This is the Sports Cage on your voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM.
All right, it's 436 with your sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right. Just give them a call at 781-2090. The Regina Red Sox back on the field tonight, taking on the Moose John Miller Express at Roswell's Park. That's a 7.05 p.m. Opening pitch. The Sox will be back at home here, Curry Field, on Thursday against the visiting Medicine Hat Mavericks. Sticking with baseball, the Toronto Blue Jays, they're back on the field tonight as well. At home at Rogers Center versus the visiting Milwaukee Brewers. That's a 5.07 p.m. first pitch. Memorial Cup, the Peterborough Peets, they're taking on the Quebec Ramparts. That's a 7 p.m. puck drop Saskatchewan time. The Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report, a look at what's happening in our three-down game. Well, Mike Benavides, a longtime uh, assistant coach and a one-time head coach of the BC Lions, is back on the West Coast. The Lions have hired Benavides as special teams consultant after the coordinator, Don Janowski left the team due to unexpected family matters. Quote, we wish Yano the very best and are thinking about him and his family at this time, said head coach and co-general manager Rick Campbell in a statement. We also feel very fortunate to add a coach of Mike's caliber at this time. I know he will be able to fit in and contribute right away. Benavidi spent the last two seasons serving as the D.C. of the Ottawa Red Blacks in 2022. His unit finished 7th in points allowed, 7th in rushing yards allowed, ninth in passing yards allowed and seventh and takeaway second in sacks he started his cfl coaching career as a defensive assistant with stampeders in 2000 joined the leos as their special teams coordinator and lb coach in 2003 and remained with the club for 12 years eventually working his way up to role as head coach so mike benavides back in the cfl with the lions our CFL report brought to you by Kevin's Marine. Make the most of summer with the boat or pontoon from Kevin's Marine. You can check them out in Fort Capel or online at kevinsmarine.com. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. I'm on location in Saskatoon and don't have the capabilities to record interviews and or... Uh, you know, all my interviews have to be live here, so I cannot catch up with people if their schedules don't mesh with ours. But we did want to talk some NHL because we have a Sun Belt Stanley Cup, the Las Vegas Golden Knights, in their second-ever Stanley Cup. Uh, they were there in 2018, lost to Ovechkin and the Capitals. And the Florida Panthers, in their second Stanley Cup, they lost the 1996 Stanley Cup to the Colorado Avalanche and Mark Crawford. So this will be a... Um, First-time Stanley Cup winner. Somebody will win the Stanley Cup for the first time. And our Sean Kleisinger caught up with the NHL Network's Mike Kelly. Mike Kelly of the NHL Network. Well, Mike, the Dallas Stars, they showed some fight, but the Vegas Golden Knights decided to show up last night. I uh, wasn't expecting that, though. Six to nothing. I was shocked by the outcome. Um, not so much the fact that, that Dallas lost the game, um, but the way that it happened, like you said. Uh, very surprised they... You know, Vegas came out right away, uh, set the, the tone for that game. They had six shots, I think, in the first, you know, three and a half minutes, and they scored early. Dallas couldn't get anything going. The, the Stars did such a great job of getting to the front of the net in the dangerous areas against Vegas the last couple of games and really started to turn the series around that way and couldn't do it at all. So, you know, you end of the first period, you're down three nothing. You're getting outshot from the slot, 10 to nothing. 10 
Zero. <laughs> um, to do that on home ice after you've taken a couple to make it a series, that was surprising. Yeah, that's the part that just blows my mind. How can the Stars play so good the past few games and the games that they won and then just lay an egg like that last night? Like, What are maybe yeah, the house, little things that... Money ch- and then pressure maybe, right? Yeah, I mean, Vegas all series and, and in general, uh, a really top team in terms of just not allowing opponents to get to the front of the net against them and to get in those critical scoring areas. And that's, that's not surprising. They have a big, skilled, mobile defense core. Um, so you would expect that. They got away from that the last couple of games that Dallas won. And you give Dallas credit as well um, for being able to get there. So maybe some of that's Vegas taking its foot off the gas, maybe. Maybe some of it's Dallas playing a little looser, saying, you know what, uh, forget pressure, forget any of those other external elements. Like, we got nothing to lose, and that can be dangerous. Well, we get to game six, and it's in Dallas, and now Vegas has to win, right? You go game seven against anybody. It could be uh, the bottom team in the league against the best. Anyone can win a game. So I think Vegas recognized that as well. I think maybe Dallas felt a little of that pressure. Pats fans, they're excited. Chandler Stevenson of the Vegas Golden Knights and Josh Mahura of the Florida Panthers, both uh, Regina Pat alumni players. They're going to be meeting here in the Stanley Cup final. And uh, I'm sure Michael Ball has asked you about this. Chandler Stevenson, I mean, I'm not saying he was a bad player in the regular season because he wasn't a bad player. I mean, who am I to call Chandler Stevenson bad? But what I'm saying is, like, he's been a different type of player here in the playoffs. I mean, for the casual fan out there listening, what can you tell us about Chandler Stevenson? What's gotten into him? Well, I, I think he's just more like the player that he is. Um, he, he's such an effective player. His speed is is so good, right? And, you know, it's one of the reasons why I think he's really excelled in Vegas. He comes over from Washington where he was, you know, not a star player by any means. And, mm-hmm. and he comes over to Vegas and, you know, he finds such great chemistry with Mark Stone. And Mark Stone has made a career uh, out of making everyone around him better. It's not to, it's not to knock Stevenson at all, um, but that's how good Mark Stone is. He did that in his Ottawa days with a bunch of guys and got, got some, some guys some nice contracts out of it as well. So, um Stevenson, his speed is great, and and I think the thing about Vegas is they they roll four lines. There's not pressure on any line to to have to be the line. Um, you know, Howden's fit really well on that line in the playoffs for the Golden Knights, and he can do some digging. And um, you know, Stevenson's just kind of playing the game that's made him successful, which is use his speed to his his advantage. He's got a, a guy that can dig around on, on that line in Howden. He's got Mark Stone, who's as defensively aware and, and good as any forward in the league. Um, I, I just, from watching him anyways, I just, I just find he's, he's just kind of playing to his capabilities, which were higher than we've seen, you know, in the, in the kind of more recent past, if you go back to some spots in the regular season. Mike Kelly of the NHL Network joining us here on the Western Pizza Hotline. And I know Pats fans would love to hear about the other player, Josh Mahura of the Florida Panthers. What kind of player do the Panthers have here? Because I know Pats fans, we know what kind of player he was here in the Queen City, but uh, he's fitting in nicely down at South Beach. Yeah, you know, I find I find there's some guys, um, especially when you talk about the, the Florida Panthers, uh, that may not get enough credit. And I think there's a lot of focus that goes on. Oh, Bobrovsky and... Uh, obviously Matthew Kachuk scoring all the clutch goals and they seem to kind of take all the headlines. And if there's any space left over for headlines, maybe that's taken up by, uh, 
you know, Sasha Barkov or someone like that. But um, their, their blue line, not as good as Vegas, but it's, I think, better than maybe some people think. And Josh Maher, to me, is slotted in, you know, in a really good spot in, in Florida. Um, he's, you know, obviously a little bit more of a defensive defenseman. Um, doesn't play a ton of special teams, doesn't play power play, very, very minimal, shorthanded, if any, uh, in the playoffs. But um, he, he's not a guy that turns the puck over a, a, a ton. One thing I look at when I look at defensemen is, you know, puck management has been such a big part of Florida's success, and it's important in the playoffs in general, um, but a huge part of their success. And you look at turnover rates, how often the guys turn it over relative to their possessions, things like that. The, the simple things that you want a depth player to be good at, he's good at. So you don't really, I find you don't have to worry too much about him. Um, he's got a good defensive stick, wins battles, uh, kind of, you know, plays a game within a, w- what he should play, doesn't go beyond it, doesn't try to be a hero, uh, and plays a really effective game that way. So um, it's one reason why, again, you can look into more advanced stuff like you know, high danger shots against when he's on the ice and um, and his impact in certain areas, and, and they've been really strong. Yeah, and I want to talk to you about some of that more advanced stuff here. We got the Vegas Golden Knights versus the Florida Panthers in the Stanley Cup Final. How do these two teams match up, and uh, maybe a series prediction on your part? Well, I was just looking at this a few minutes ago, so I'll, I'll rattle a couple things off for you. Um, these are playoff ranks out of 16 teams per game, defensively. Mm-hmm. We know how important defense is. Yeah. Um, shots against last, slot shots against second last, inner slot shots against second last, offensive zone possession against second last, rush chances against third last, cycle chances against second last, expected goals against, that brings it all together, last. In the playoffs, you'd expect that team to have probably lost in the first round in five games. <laughs> and maybe they should have, but they didn't. That team is the Florida Panthers. Wow. So, you know, look, they went up against Boston, Toronto, Carolina. These are juggernaut teams. Mm. Uh, and you understand why the ice was tilted uh, for a lot of that. But they win. And Bobrovsky makes the saves. Kachuk scores the timely goals. They don't make mistakes, and they will force you into mistakes. And that's what's impressed me about the Panthers, is that the ice might be tilted, but when there's a pivotal moment in the game, maybe you turn a puck over you shouldn't. They'll take advantage. They don't turn that puck over to give you that advantage. That's how they're winning. Um, and that, you know, that's proven to be successful. Now, they're going up against Vegas, and not only... I, I don't know that Vegas is the best team. In fact, I don't even think they're the best team that Florida will have played in these playoffs when all is said and done. But they're the team I think that's going to give them the most trouble. Uh, Just how they're built, how they play. They can push back against a lot of what Florida does well. Um, The goaltending is so huge. I have all the confidence in the world in Bobrovsky and to continue doing what he's doing, which he can win a series and steal games. I have less confidence probably in Aiden Hill than the market does. Um, I, I'm not going to, he's played so well. The team plays incredibly well in front of him too. I give him a lot of credit. Um, if that starts to go south, this thing's going to get a little loopy. So I'd pick Vegas. I'd probably pick Vegas in six. Uh, but that's a big kind of caveat when you've got goaltending of a guy who's been good, but has never shown it over huge stretches against a guy who is winning. St- on his own right now. 
game one is coming up here on Saturday night. That makes it that much better, too. Some Saturday night hockey, Florida Panthers in Vegas taking on the Golden Knights. And uh, Mike Kelly of the NHL Network, thanks for taking a couple minutes today and uh, enjoy the series, my friend. Hey, good chatting with you and uh, you as well. I, I agree with you. Saturday night hockey, no better way to start it. That's John Kleisinger with Mike Kelly from the NHL Network. Coming up next, we pick the score, your chance to win rider tickets and a bunch of other stuff. Plus, we'll hear from riders coach Craig Dickens, and you can text us to 936-6262, our text line powered by the Capital Auto Group. This is the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to Saskatoon, and let's quickly head out in the Western Pizza Hotline, talk with Brian Raymond out at Flowing Springs. Now, Brian, as I look outside here in Saskatoon, there's no wind. How about in that area? There wasn't any wind when I left Regina today. No, there isn't any wind here, and it is absolutely gorgeous out right now. It's a perfect night to play golf. Okay, and do we have any nighttime specials, Brian Raymond? Absolutely, Michael. Every night after 6 o'clock, it doesn't matter, weekday, weeknight, or weekend, uh, it's $19 to come out and walk the golf course. And, of course, every day after 3 o'clock, it's $35. And Mondays and Wednesdays, seniors and ladies, seniors over 62, over 60 years old, $32 to play the golf course. And if you're a non-senior man, $42. So still a great deal on Mondays and Wednesdays to come out and play the golf course. And, of course, uh, if you're looking to practice, we've got that fantastic driving range, all grass, no mats, and it's huge. There's lots of room for everybody. And there's no wind tonight, so you can't blame the wind, and the wind won't screw up your shot. So if they want to get a hold of you, Brian, how do they go about doing that? Listen, if you're looking for a tee time, just give us a call at 543-5050. That's 306-543-5050. And, of course, we're booking online now at flowingspringsgolf.com. All right. Hey, um, I'm going to ask you a question. You think Mike Babcock or Daryl Sutter will be behind a bench before the end of next hockey season? Um, I would think Mike Babcock might, but uh, uh, Mr. Sutter, I think, is going to maybe sit back and collect that uh, nice paycheck that they're going to have to pay him. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure why Daryl Sutter would want to coach again, to be quite honest with you. He's won two Stanley Cups and, yeah, coach of the year last year. Um, Gerard Gallant says he's interested in the Flames job. That's an interesting one. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a big Gerard Gallant uh, fan. I worked when I was working for Columbus. He, of course, was an assistant coach and our head and a head coach for a while too. And uh, he's a great guy and and obviously a, a really good coach. Okay, and do you, do you think the WHL will win the Memorial Cup this year, or is it looking you're going to stay with Quebec Ramparts the way they're playing? Well, I'm kind of thinking that this is going to come down to probably Seattle and Quebec in the final. I could be wrong, but uh, that's kind of the way it's looking right now it's hard to predict because uh, sometimes the host team can uh, come up with a, a real big victory on home ice and uh, you never know Kamloops might make it too yeah well Patrick Watt could be auditioning right now in this tournament for a head coaching job in the NHL who knows once again Brian where do they get a hold of you at Flowing Springs give us a call at 306-543-5050 or book online at flowingspringsgolf.com all right, thanks, Brian. Take care. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Let us head out on the, uh, well, let's not head out on the Western Pizza Hotline. I had a chance in the practice field to catch up with Coach Craig Dickinson along with the other reporters after practice today. You know, yesterday, I think I mentioned 
the offense struggled a little bit against some some really some tough looks from the defense, and I really thought today was a bounce-back day for the offense. And the defense played well, too, but I really felt like the offense, whatever the coaches told them last night and went over, it sure made a difference because today was a sharp day for the offense. And the defense still doing a nice job running to the football and playing hard. So all in all, a really good day. What's it like about this league to give guys some second chances at football? Brian Cox is one, Keith Corbin, guys who were just waiting for a year or two and now they get a chance to play. Yeah, it's awesome. I think the CFL is the best league in the world. And one of the reasons is is we look far and wide for good football players. And if a guy's made a mistake in his past, we uh, will sometimes overlook that and give him a second chance. And I think that's a really neat thing about our league. So what's your perception of your uh your depth after playing one game you don't know until uh, you play. yeah yeah i think it's good michael i really do i mean it's all about key positions tackle still a spot we got to find some guys um you know we've got we've got some depth in the back end the secondary receiver we're a little thin so this is a game where you find um you try to get your ones a little bit of rhythm and a little bit of time out there and then you got to find your next group of guys what's uh speaking of the tackles a lot of moving parts on the offensive line i saw Blake was out there, shorts, <laughs> uh, council. <laughs> yeah. Well, five is one is our philosophy, and, and you got to play together. So similar to the secondary, we move guys around up front to see if they can play well together, and you don't know your best five till you do that. So Coach Vitale's been playing a little bit of musical chairs on the O-line, and there's a purpose behind it. Are we seeing a Gerald Hawkins play this week? Do you know? He no, he's not here. He's he he had to go home for a family matter. Uh, he he will be back next week. Ask you about Corbin the third again. Uh, just uh, being away from football for a year and then uh, coming back and getting all those targets. Uh, a pretty good uh, first uh, taste of him, I guess. Yeah, first yeah. He 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 did a nice job, and he's he's his arrow's been up the whole time. You know, early it was really new to him, all the motion and all the movement. But as he's gotten his legs under him, he's gotten better and better each game. So he had a really nice game and, and had really what I felt like great energy throughout the game. Not only was he playing well, he was supporting his teammates and, and really just did a nice job all the way around. Besides a dominant win in the next preseason game, uh, what would you like to see in this next one from your I want to see some rhythm with our ones. You know, we're going to play our ones for a quarter, maybe even two. And I'd like to see some rhythm with that group. And then, just like I was telling Michael, if we can find a couple of backups at receiver, you know, one guy in the secondary that we think can play for us, a linebacker, that's the goal. Winnicky and, and uh, Walker back today, how nice was it? That was nice, yeah. And they were moving around pretty well, too. You know, we told them, go as tolerate, and they both seemed to be moving well and, and doing, doing some good things. That's Coach Craig Dickinson after practice today. They'll put him through the paces again tomorrow, and then Thursday a walkthrough before leaving for Winnipeg. On the other side of the 5 o'clock news, Kendall Watson, who had six catches in the game against PC, will join us and pick the score for your chance to win Rough Rider tickets to the home opener. This is the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Yes, we're into the last hour of the show. we got tickets to give away here right away. Uh, Jays taking on the Milwaukee Brewers in a battle of sweet unis. Jays in their baby blues with the uh, royal blue cap. And the Milwaukee Brewers in their navy blue unis with the yellow the uh, ball glove on the helmet back to the Robin Yount 
uh, Paul Molitor days. Remember that? Uh, well, you wouldn't remember those days, Zinger, oh, but I'm glad it. they went back to those unis. No, no. They and they've nice got a base hit to left field, so there we go. The Milwaukee uh, Brewers are on the base paths. All right, so let's get to it here, Zinger. 936-6262 in town. Toll free out of town. one 866 It's pick the score Courtesy of Sastel. You call in to Sean Kleisinger and um, let's see here. Singer. Our best receiver in camp's been probably Darrell Walker. So I'll go with caller number 18, okay? Caller number 18 that calls in with the right, well, with their information and gives us a score, what they think the score is going to be Friday when the Riders take on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, you'll automatically get tickets to the Riders' return match versus the Bombers, which happens to be the Riders' home opener, which is Dad's night out, Father's Day Friday of the Father's Day weekend, because, make no mistake about it, is it is a weekend celebration. Kim Mitchell will be playing there, and we have a 50-50 that is seated and will start, start at $100,000. So you'll have tickets to that game, and then if you're the closest for the weekly selection during all of our shows, as we give tickets away on Cody and Gloria's show, on Colin Lovequist's show, and on this show, if you're the closest to picking the score for the week, you'll win a $200 gift card from Sastel, plus... Your name will be thrown in for a sweet experience. You and three friends or you and three family members will go watch a Ryder game in 2024 in a suite. So that is a sweet, sweet end to this contest. Get it? See what I did there? <laughs> what a funny guy I am. Anyway, 936-6262, the number to call locally, one 767 And while we wait for your call... We're going to tell you the Milwaukee Brewers just did a two-run homer, so they lead the Toronto Blue Jays 2-0 as Kikuchi serves up the home run. Yeah, they serve up the... <laughs> I love it. I hate all the guys stop at third base before they round the base. Oh, it's I the n- new era garbage. I hate it, too. Yeah, but the Brewers just did a homer, so they're up 2-0 on the Jays. Anyway, while we await your phone call and the lines are heating up for these tickets to the home opener against the Blue Bombers... Um, and we watch Contreras at the homer get a right field. We are going to uh, listen to an interview I did with Kendall Watson, who had six catches in that contest against the BC Lions, and that's what I start the conversation with. Uh, I thought it was fun. It was fun. It was exciting. Uh, the game was going fast, so I was just trying to keep up and keep making plays, and I had a great time. I'm glad we came out with a win. No, you're a fire plug. You're diminutive, but uh, you're quick and fast. This suits your game, doesn't it? Right. Yeah, it definitely does. It's a lot, ton of space out here, so it's a lots of opportunities to get the ball and just go make something happen. Uh, so I know that I can use my skill set to be uh, a contribution to the team. You're your own man, but I tell you what, if I took 50 and took 88 and switched the numbers, I think you were Sean Bain Jr. <laughs> you, have you have you been picking his brain a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. No, Bain is great. He he he's taught me a lot so far since I've been here, and so it's great to learn from someone who's already like similar. In body type type so we can do a lot of the same type of uh, movements and stuff on the field so it's cool to watch him and see how he does things how he conducts himself on a day in and day out basis how do you like the waggle oh, it's great <laughs> it's great it makes you feel unstoppable it's like you can you should win every route with the waggle so i love it i'm glad you said that because i've said this for a long time i've watched this game growing up here watched it covered it mm-hmm. if you can't score three touchdowns on offense with the rules and the waggle and everything you're not doing 
you're not you're not being very productive in my opinion. Yeah, that that's about right. That's about right because it's so many different ways you can win with the waggle. You can win inside release, outside release, and it's you have you have free reign because those DBs can't touch you after five yards. So it's as long as you're doing what you're supposed to do, you should absolutely score. <laughs> What's your favorite uh, route so far here on the route tree in the Canadian Football League? <sighs> Basically. Any anything where I'm going vertical, yeah. I like. Like it's just it's whether that's a corner or post or anything or just a go route. Uh, if I'm coming off the waggle, I, I love those types of routes. The CFL used to have a slogan back in the '90s. Mm-hmm. It was radically Canadian, and the other slogan was "Our balls are bigger" because they are bigger. Right. Do you notice that coming up yeah. here? Yeah. Now the ball the ball is bigger. It's like slightly right rounder in the middle, yeah. and so it's but it's good. It's good to catch. It's easy to catch, in my opinion. So I like it. I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Is that easier to catch than an American ball? For me, I would think an American ball, if it's a if it's a little bit wobbly, it's harder to catch because it's longer. If the CFL ball is a little bit wobbly, it might be easier to catch because it's bigger. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. Like when the ball is coming, it's just a little rounder, so you can adjust your hands easier and you can grip it easier too when it comes. If a, a skinnier American ball, sometimes if that ball is wobbly coming to you, mm-hmm. it'll hit your hand the wrong way and it may not be anything you can do about it in terms of the catch. You get to do the return game too. Uh, that's a great aspect of this league, right? At least you have to do something with the ball on every play, offense, defense, or special teams yeah it's great uh that's that's been one of the biggest adjustments for me is had the emphasis on special teams up here since it's a three down league mm. uh just always being ready for special teams the attention to detail that goes into it and how important of a phase it is in football here uh so i've been having fun uh getting an opportunity to contri- contribute to that and learning about that too I would tell you that, because I did it back uh, in my uh, football days, catching a punt is very uncomfortable. Uh, my son's been doing it in the States, and he said uh, no yard, like the, the fair catch or not, you know, in that five-yard halo. Yeah. It's very intimidating. So that is, it must be like a godsend. You get a little bit of breathing room here. It's, yeah, no, it's great. Like, just know that you all you have to do is worry about catching the ball, and then you have like a five-yard yeah. bonus in terms, yeah. of, in terms of having space to do something. It makes it so much less stressful, uh, in my opinion. And so... All you have to do is focus on making the catch, and then you're free to do whatever you want from there. So, how did you find your way up here to Regina, to Saskatchewan, to play with the Rough Riders? Uh, one of the GMs reached out to me uh, after the conclusion of uh, my last collegiate season, uh, and he just he was on me hard about coming up here, getting an opportunity. And after talking to a bunch of people who had played up in the CFL and stuff like that, um, I basically I, I took the opportunity. I wanted to come up here and get the opportunity to play professional ball. So. It's been great. You got that right, Winicky. You got that right. How much has that guy helped you? Man, that's the man right there. Jake Winicky, man. He's 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 great. Day in and day out. He comes in, does his job. He helps us uh, in terms of knowing the game mentally and physically. Uh take care of, of his body. He's a true professional. So I love I love being his teammate. So a couple more quick questions for you, Kendall. What do you gotta do in this game against Winnipeg to secure a roster spot? Because it's you know, it's not a done deal yet. Yeah. Um I would say just do my job. I don't want to come out there and try to do too much or do anything uh, overly spectacular. I think I just have to come out and execute uh, and make it make it where I'm not having missed assignments or anything like that and let the chips fall where they may. How did you grade out the last game? Uh, I did I did pretty well. I had a couple of minor mistakes and stuff, but it was just lear- learning, learning process, honestly, just being first time being out there in live action. I think I got the number right, although a lot of names flashed by me in a, in a, in a – 
preseason game. You had a crossing route that was a little high. I think that uh, went off your gloves or whatever. If you catch that, man, that's probably a touchdown call. Right yeah, now. yeah, yeah. That was that was that was one that got us. Uh, I was, me, me and Shay were talking about that one after the game. Uh, it was just just a small time and thing, and but it was that was that was definitely going to be a good play. It was well executed up until that point. It's like a DB though. If he gets beat deep, he's got to flush it. Do you just like and, and you haven't made the team yet, so right. is it hard to shelve that and go to the next play? Yeah, I mean the game moves so fast you have no choice but to because it's like all right you all you know saying the next yeah. play the play clock is only twenty seconds so you have no choice but to move on and focus on making the next play. So that's just, but that's the mentality that I carry regardless. Like once the play is over, there's nothing I can do about it. So might as well just go and do my best on the next one. And that's a very good. Uh, um, Point by you for a guy that's up here. You gotta be just up here. You gotta be an athlete. You gotta run all day long up here. Yeah, no, nah, it's. I was like, that's the one thing that my college prepared me for. Like we ran a lot at my college as receivers, and so coming up here and running a lot is kind of up my alley. That's what I'm used to. So, but it, it is different coming with the waggles and stuff. Like sometimes you're running 30, 40 yards a play. So it's it's a lot of running, but it's it's fun. It's fun. You get the opportunity to go make plays. I can't ask for anything it's else. It's like a mini punt return. I see you running some jet sweeps. How do you like doing that? Oh, yeah, it's great. It's great. Getting out there in space and just getting an opportunity to kind of get downhill, it's it's awesome. And the field is so wide. It's just like the opportunities are endless for cutbacks and stuff like that. So it's great. Well, I like your smile, and uh, I like your play so far. Good luck in Winnipeg. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate it. That's 88. Kendall Watson joining me after practice as he's trying to secure a spot as one of the American receivers in Kelly Jeffrey. Uh, Kelly Jeffries offense here with the Riders. Okay, Zinger, we had picked the score. Who do we got? Yeah, we have a winner. And let me tell you, the phone lines, they were hot. They were hot. Of course. And uh, our winner is from Ituna, Saskatchewan. All right. And uh, his name is Larry Baber. So uh, Larry, Larry Baber, okay. Yeah. And what he's picked, what was the score? Yeah, well, that part of it's kind of like, uh, well... It's 25-15, Larry says, for the Winnipeg Blow Bombers. But, uh, hey, it's just a preseason game, whatever, I guess. Well, next time, Larry, maybe get your head on straight. That's all I'll say about that. That's okay. We'll take the loss. (laughs) We'll take the loss because we want to have as many regular season wins as we can. Um, We're going to talk about that a little later on here, Zinger, in the next break. But, uh, yeah, so he is now in the running for a... uh, uh, for a two hundred dollar gift card, if his uh, if his uh, total is closest to uh, the uh, actual score for the week, and then uh, whoever wins the weekly prize goes into the big prize at the end of the year, which is a sweet experience for four you and three others at a Ryder game in twenty twenty four. Coming up next, our specs by Ryan one to watch, and we'll talk about cool bets. They're a uh, website, and they've picked the, uh, they've kind of uh, guesstimated the win total for CFL teams. We'll get to that in a minute. This is the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, coming back to Saskatoon here at the Delta Besboro and in the lobby watching the Blue Jays just get a run as George Springer rounds the bases. Let's go! Actually, is that George Springer that came in? I think so. I missed Vladdy it. Ger- I like the way it Vladdy sounds, Ger- though. Vladdy Guerrero with an RBI single, 2-1, Milwaukee leading Toronto. We've got... Um, I think it's Czechia against Canada tonight at the World Para Hockey Championships in Moose Jaw, Harvard Broadcasting, Harvard Media. Very proud 
uh, sponsor of the event in the big game uh, a little later on this week, Canada versus the U.S. All right, uh, Zinger, it's time now for our one to watch, and that's presented by Specs by Ryan. Don't just get glasses, get Specs. I got a couple of pairs, including a transition pair that's uh, matted green for my Rough Rider broadcast, and they change from uh, regular lenses to uh, tinted lenses when you go uh, to the outside, to the daylight, and then quickly change back to normal. Great, great uh products and great great uh, well eyewear and great great service over there on albert street with ryan horn specs by ryan go check him out and our specs by ryan one to watch is rough riders punter Corey vedvik you're with riders punter Corey vedvik now explain the shoes to me because luke was joking about your shoes okay yeah. so like one's white that's the that's the plant foot and the kicking foot's black can you explain the difference like is this really a true kicking shoe or what so the uh the kicking cleat, which you can see on my right foot, that yep. is the uh, tempo. So that is a soccer cleat. Okay. You know, uh, and the one on my left, that's a regular uh, football cleat okay. that uh, you see most guys wear. Yeah. Um, the only difference really is the amount of studs at the bottom. Yeah. Obviously the leather as well, but the the, the football cleat has a lot more studs. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm just trying it out. Yeah. Something I haven't done before, but it, it gives you, you know, arguably, you know, you can have, you listen from person to person, but it gives yeah. you like better grip when you yeah. when you plant your foot and whatnot. But uh, yeah, just trying out. I like it. It feels like a little more solid clean. And, yeah, I enjoy it. So tell you what, it was the best case scenario in the game because you kicked the forty yard field goal, proved you could do it. Mm-hmm. Then they took it off the board and scored a touchdown because there was a penalty against BC. So that yeah. was kind of the best of both worlds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It works out in our in our favor, right? So in the end, for us, it's just we want to go out and see that we can do it. We can execute when we need it. You know, if the yeah, the points came off, but we got a first down, so that's yeah. that's a better scenario for us uh, overall. Do you miss right. a uh, place kicking? Uh, it's fun to uh, fun to do it, you know. But uh, it's um, it's something that I can do. I'm able to do it, and uh, you know, I, I always practice it, so I don't necessarily miss it. Yeah. But um, but it's uh, it's good to have it when it's needed by the team. Uh, so coach was saying on my show yesterday, you're equally good at both, maybe even a, a little bit better of a place kicker, and that's not a knock. What do you think when you hear that? It's funny. I mean, I grew up playing soccer, yeah. and that's how I got into football to begin yeah. with. You know, I transitioned to a punter in college. That's when I taught myself how to catch the ball and and punt. So uh, it's more. I've always it's always been more natural to be a field goal kicker. Uh, so it's like riding a bike for me. It's like I can go out there and kick whenever, however. You know, I haven't kicked the ball since. Last year, sometime, and then yeah. first last week was the first time I did it. So yeah. it's it was, uh, it was windy in that game. Just tell me about uh, your performance and how you thought you did. So we've been fortunate to have a lot of wind out here in training camp. So when I got out in the stadium, honestly, didn't feel much, you know. And you also don't really care about that when you're out there as a yeah. specialist. You try to ignore the wind and just focus on your technique, execute the technique best you can, and there you go. Like yeah. then you have the have the results that you want. What do you think is going to give you? the leg up to uh, win this punting job again. Uh, Coach did bring in Korzak. He did tell you before the season he's going to bring in competition. What gives you the leg up, do you think? Um, you know, it's fun. It's a good question, but um, I don't really think like that. Okay. I don't I don't think about it that way. Um, Korzak's here on his own journey. I'm here on my own journey. You know, we focus on our own thing. We learn from each other. Mm-hmm. He has a different tool set that I have, you know, so I'm trying to learn from him. I hope that I can contribute something to him to improve his game. So, you know, we're also trying to make each other better and Whatever decision the coaches or the team goes with, that's up to them. You know, it's not it's not yeah. something I'm concerned yeah. with. Is there a lot of dialogue between you two? Like, do you give him tips? Does he say, "Hey, maybe yeah. try this"? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we we warm up together, and hey. not as much like give each other advice or tips, but we just talk about 
techniques and different styles of punting. And I have a lot of questions for him because he's very good at the uh, Aussie style punting. Yeah. Zone. He's he can he can do a lot of things with the ball. So that I'm asking, hey, how do you drop it this way or to make the banana punt and this you know different things. And it's fun and you know and uh, vice versa. So it's a, it's a fun addition. And we like specialists is a tight knit community. Yeah. So we all have mutual friends. We all know each other from beforehand. And and it's always fun when we get together and get to get to work with each other. It's a good uh, line to question there. So um, who, do you have a good buddy that's a punter in the CFL that you've kind of become friends with? Well, I have a few best friends in the, in this league already from prior to I came to the CFL. Yeah. So Stefan Flintoft out in uh, BC. Um, you have uh, Richie Leone out in uh, Ottawa. Yeah. Um, we've been we known each other since 2018. Uh, Richie a little earlier. I've known him since 2016 or 17. I mean, um, when I start training after college. So we have a good relation. We train together down in Birmingham with one-on-one kicking, and uh, that's how we've you know we've been close friends ever since. We it was good to see Flintoft out there again. I'm looking forward to see uh, Richie down the road too. So. Yeah. So. Um when the punt is like a midriff, belt high, is that the best for you? Like, is that keep you in rhythm? I always wondered with a, that. With the snap? Yeah, with the snap. Well, you gotta be you gotta be able to deal with everything. But like, uh, when you when you give a snapper a target, you're aiming for the right hip. That's the target for their long snapper. So right hip, you know, both directions. If it's on the right hip, that's usually like what you call like a bullseye snap. Okay. You know. Ideally, uh, how fast do you want to get that punt off? Uh, for the punter, uh, catch to foot is what you call it. From the moment you catch the ball to it hits your foot, you want it to be one three five or faster. Uh, and then for the snapper, you want it to be 0.75 or faster, right? okay. ideally, so that the whole operation should be under 2-1. Okay, so ideally, what's a good punt in terms of hang time and distance? So you want to match the distance with the hang time. So if you have a 40-yard uh, ball outside the numbers, you want to match that with a 4-0 hang. It's evidently, if you have a 45-yard punt, you want to match that with a 4.5-second hang. So, you know, it's important that... You if you hit a 70-yard bomb, yeah, it's cool, but and but you might not kick the coverage quite a bit because guys can't run that fast if you have a 3.8-second yeah. hang time. So if you have a 70- or 60-yard ball, to be more realistic, you want 4.8 or higher, I would say, at least in this league. Because I think your first punt, if my memory serves me correct, without going back to the stats, was a 49-yard punt, and I think it was about a 4.3, 4, 4.4 uh, hang average. What, what do you think about that? Is that okay? So it worked out in, uh, in my favorite that he caught the ball, first of all. Yeah. You know, you you know, you want to pin inside the 10. That's yeah. a little too close to the goal line, but he caught it. And uh, but we have some fast guys on the team. Yeah. I mean, they were down there already, so he didn't get much, you know. So it worked out. So it's, you're only as good as your team. Yeah. That's the thing. So I'm, I'm as good as my coverage team, and they make me look good. So when I have lower hang time and they're there to stop him, only only get a he only gets a five-yard return. That's like that's credit to them, you know. Yeah. So you were talking about sharpening your skills going into this year. Have you identified one or two things you want to be better at? Oh yeah, my drop. My drop's number one. I want to be better at my drop and more uh, just hold on to the ball longer. So that's if you let the ball go a little too early, then it's, it can mess a lot of things up. The wind affects the ball more and can change the, the trajectory of the ball. Yeah. So for me, the number one thing was uh, be confident and uh, and solid in my drop table and uh, hold on to the ball longer and then obviously just swing through that thing. Sorry for being ignorant. Just uh, just the radio announcement. Yeah. Drop, drop table. What do you yeah. mean by that? So drop table is where you want to place the ball uh, as you're, you say, floated out, right? Okay. So uh, it's usually at the um, the height of your navel, like yeah. right above your navel. Yeah. It's like roughly where you go to naturally shake your hand with someone. Yeah. That's called like the drop table. So you want to catch the ball, number one, and then you want to set it to your drop table uh, and hold on, hold it there and on your stay on your line uh, and come through the ball as smooth as you can. See, lastly, so uh, lastly, yeah. this game is great because we yeah. have special teams. You have have yeah. to you have to do something with the ball in every oh, yeah. play yeah. obviously that puts a smile on your face just talk about being in this league that is really uh it really is a three-phase game 
Yeah, I love it. Special teams is a huge roll up here. You're, uh, you're, you have a much more impact on the game than you do down south. You're, you're up every third down. So I mean, we're we're standing on the sideline, but we're not really standing there. We're just kind of. You always have to be, you know, ready to head on the field, and it's it's a blast. I love being on the field. You know, that was the biggest transition for me going from soccer to being a kicker. Was yeah. I'm no longer on the field 90 minutes a game. You know, I'm on the sideline most of the time. Uh, but up here in the CFL, I don't get that feeling at all. I'm I'm on the field, and I get to contribute a lot. So it's great. This is really interesting. Talk, thanks. Yeah, Michael, thank you. It's been That's Corey Vedvik, punter for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are one to watch for Specs by Ryan. Don't just get glasses, get specs. Go see them on Albert Street. All right, we'll be back with our Red Sox report and we'll be joined by Luke Molliner once again. This is the sports cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over twelve thousand sport culture and recreation groups. Sponsoring our show today here. On the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, it's 534 with your sports ticker for Busy Bee Overhead. And I'm watching the Toronto Blue Jays take on the Milwaukee Brewers right now. And those Bluebirds have a 4-2 to lead in the second inning. So hopefully, fingers crossed, the Blue Jays can win another baseball game tonight. And uh, one game in the Memorial Cup tonight, uh, the Peterborough Pete's taking on the Quebec Ramparts. That's a 7 p.m. puck drop. And the Regina Red Sox, they are in action tonight as well, taking on the Moose Jaw Miller Express. More on the Red Sox here in a few minutes on the Red Sox Report. Let's round the bases. Time for today's Sports Cage Regina Red Sox Report on the voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. All right, let's talk some Regina Red Sox on the Red Sox Report for the Canadian Brewhouse. Enjoy the Stanley Cup Finals at the CBH on Saturday night. They have everything you need there, beverages, food, Check it out, all Stanley Cup Final Series long. Well, the Sox are back on the field tonight for the first time since Sunday afternoon. That 7-1 to home loss against the Moose Jaw Miller Express. And the Sox will get another crack versus those Miller Express tonight, this time at Roswell's Park in Moose Jaw. And the season is young, but hey, it's always fun to take a look at the stats, especially in baseball. You know, Sox center fielder from Canton, Michigan, Anthony Sharkis, leads the team in hits with six. Outfielder from Scottsdale, Arizona, Mike Piazza, leads the Sox with three RBI. And Zach Wazlewski. He has been solid on the Regina uh, Hill out of the bullpen so far this year. And a fun fact about Zach Wislewski, check this out. He's a Phoenix, Arizona kid, and his father, Gary, is one of the top Tommy John surgeons in the United States. And Gary's father, Zach's grandfather, Gary Wislewski Sr., played for the Boston Red Sox in the 1967 World Series. He was a pitcher. And uh, the Cardinals would go on to beat the Red Sox that year. But a nice little cool backstory with Zach Wislewski. Glad to have him this summer in Regina. Those Regina Red Sox taking on the Moose Jaw Miller Express tonight, 7.05 p.m. at Roswell's Park. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the sports cage. Right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. 4-2 Blue Jays lead the Milwaukee Brewers as they're going to the bottom of the second inning of play. Spencer Carberry is the new head coach of the Washington Capitals. He was an assistant coach with the Leafs the last two years. 
John Lyles out as head coach in Nashville. Andrew Brunette, who coached the Florida Panthers to the President's Trophy last year, then was fired after they went out in the playoffs, was with the Devils this year as an associate coach. He's now the new head coach in Nashville. Apparently, Gerard Gallant has reached out to the Calgary Flames and said that he is interested in their job. Bill Bill Foley, the president of the, or the owner, pardon me, and president of the Vegas Golden Knights, said when they first started that they would win the Stanley Cup within seven years. Then he said six, and after last night's six, nothing went over Dallas to get them to their second Stanley Cup. Who knows? He could be accurate with that prediction. Speaking of predictions, we're rejoined by Luke Mulliner on the Western Pizza Hotline. And, I mean, for what it's worth, I mean, you can take it with a grain of salt, but the betting site Cool Bets has come out with um, what they think is their uh their win totals for the CFL teams, the over/under. So I just want to get your thoughts, Luke. Let's uh, let's go from uh, east to west. They got the Toronto Argonauts at nine and a half wins. You think it's over or under that? Under. What do you think they got yeah. for wins? Oh, what do I think? Well, I, I just yeah. What do you think they'll get? The over/under partner. I don't know. Let's let's go. <laughs> okay. uh, you know what? Let's go. I I, I have them at nine and nine. Okay, well, that's under nine and a half. You're not wrong. Yeah. Um, the Montreal Alouettes, they got at seven and a half wins. I think that's too high. What do you got them at? Over, under? Yeah, that's, that's under. Under. Yeah, like yeah, I got I, Montreal. I, I got Montreal at six the wins. Alouettes, uh, man, yeah, I'd, I'd probably go six and 12. Yeah, that's what I think, too. Ottawa Red Blacks, their over, under for Bob Dice in his first year is eight wins. Over. I think he's going to get nine. Oh, really? What do you. Nine, you're going to get nine. nine, okay? Even if even if Jeremiah Masoli is uh, is in doubt to start the season, and Nick Arbuckle as the quarterback, yeah, yeah, I still think they get they get nine. I, I, I think that Hamilton and Ottawa are probably. I, I don't know. I, I don't know why. I feel like I'm disrespecting Toronto. They just won the Great Cup. Like I don't know why. I feel like they're going to dip, but I just feel like they're going to dip. Well, I know why you do, because their quarterback's very much in doubt. Their guys that were in camp had like 45 total snaps in the CFL. So I get what oh, you're saying the, there. Here's the thing, um, though. I, didn't, I, I mean, I, if, you, if you ask me last year, I didn't think McLeod Bethel-Thompson was much of a quarterback either. So, and they still won, right? So Yeah. I, I might be well, he wasn't for one, a but. good chunk of the year. Yeah, he, was, he wasn't for a good chunk of the year, even though his stats would tell you otherwise. But stats can lie unless you're, you know few broadcasters that don't see it that way hey um luke in terms of uh in terms of the hamilton tiger cats they got them at 10 and a half wins um yeah there i'm gonna i'm gonna go over i'm gonna go over i think that i think that i think hamilton's gonna win the division um and i'm gonna go 11 or 12 maybe 11 wins you think you think is bo the comeback player of the year you think he's gonna be good I think I think Bo I think Bo will manage the game. I think that I don't, yeah. Again, I don't think I don't see Hamilton as a Hamilton relies on on playing good D. They rely they're, they're a tough they're like the city right. They're they're, they're a tough hard nosed team. I don't I don't I don't see them coming out there and trying to air it out. You know, um, like like the greatest show on turf. I see them coming in and playing trying to play well rounded football. And, and Bo's a big part of that. And I think Bo will make some some good throws while he's doing it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I like the Hamilton Tiger guys this year, though. Okay, so let's go to the West here. First off, before we wrap up the East, to see uh, Money Hunter and Shaq Evans were injured for Ottawa. Shaq's going to be out for a while with a broken finger. This guy just can't stay healthy, can he? 
Yeah, I, I mean, you know, people got to remember, though, Shaq's a little bit older, so he's more susceptible to injury, and I think that's obviously uh, there are some injuries you can get away with as a receiver, and there's probably some injuries that you can't, and, and, and an injury to your to your catching hand or, or your hands in general <laughs> yeah. uh, probably won't help, right? <laughs> I mean, I yeah, think it was, for sure. It was okay, like so older, you'd probably be all right. Yeah, so the Blue Bombers are at 12.5 according to Cool Bet Canada. Do you think that's too high? I think that's easy money. I think Winnipeg under 12. Well, I I, I see them at 12. So under 2.12.5 though. I see them. I don't I don't I don't think they're going to I if they go under 12, I I don't know where they go under 12. I see them at 12. I think they're at 12 and 16. Okay, interesting. Um the Calgary well, Champions, think about it. they just have think about these... it. I mean, they've got I mean, what, what yep. where's their hold right now, right? Realistically, where are their holes? They're a little bit older. That's yeah, I just, right? but, I just but wonder their age. If their age will, and, yeah, if age catches up with them, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think I got That's them That's what I kind of wonder. That, I think that if they get 12 wins, their age has caught up to them. <laughs> yeah, well, it's true. They were fifteen and three last year, so that's a very good yeah. point. Calgary Stampeders at nine and a half over under. Uh, um, under. Under. Yeah, I think eight, so too. I have seven, eight. I think about eight and ten. I think I think eight and ten. Yeah, and this is all too early, right? I, I mean, I wish you know, uh, I wish uh, I would have had the benefit of these schedules in front of them because what I mean, for all we know, Calgary could play. You know, Calgary could play. I don't know. Well, we got to play everybody, right? You got to play. You got to play everybody. Uh, my thing is, yeah, but is, you get is, away uh, with when you get away with not playing some teams too, though, as much as you would, right? Like I know Calgary. How many times do we see Calgary this year? Three. Uh, we see Calgary three. They see Hamilton one time. So yeah, I get what yeah, you're saying. See? So so they so they only see Hamilton once, right? And yeah. and, and and let's hope they don't see, get to see Montreal more than twice. You know what I mean? So yeah, for sure. That's a good point. Um, the BC Lions at nine and a half. Ooh, I think under. Under, yeah, I'm gonna go under. Like nine, but not like nine? Like nine, nine and nine, ten and ten and eight. Yeah, that's where I figured that they'd they'd land. Yeah. Okay, your buddy Chris Jones and the Edmonton Elks, or Elk as over. you like to say, probably over. correct. They have they have seven and over. a half. Over. Over. I think. What do you, that, what do you got them at? Seven and a half low. I would put them at eight or nine too. Okay, and I get it. And right? they, like you can't all be. You, I get it. You can't all be eight, nine, nine, nine teams. But I just, yeah. And um, you've got you. Cool bet. Canada's with you, man. Because you had said you you see seven wins right now for the Riders. Yeah. You're hoping for more, but that's where you see. You see right there, even. Yeah, we. So we we talked about this, right? Remember we talked what was it, a week, mm-hmm. two weeks ago? I thought that they looked like a seven win team, and you know we just beat up on the on the. You know what? Hell. I had fun at that exhibition game. We did some good things. Let's go over. <laughs> We're giving them eight, Baldy. We're going eight. Eight. Eight, eight wins. And a play- We're going eight. And the playoffs. <laughs> and a playoff spot. Eight and ten. Hey, and a playoff hey, spot. Let's I mean, do it for up all right. we know, For all we know, they come out, and in, and in three quarters versus the starters, they, they win 25 nothing against Winnipeg, right? Like, then we're really excited. So, I'm going. With the, with the showing in the exhibition game, I'm going another one. Now I'm at eight. All right, that's realistic. I, lo- I love it, man. Enjoy the rest of your night. Thanks for that. We'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Talk soon. Take care. That is Luke Mulder. Zinger, you're there. So let's go with you here. Bombers over under 12 and a half. 
Uh, they're going to have 11 wins, the Winnipeg Blue okay. Bombers. So under. Toronto, Argon- Toronto Argonauts over under 9.5. Over. Do you think like 10? Yeah, they'll 11? be they'll be uh, they'll be uh, first in the East is my prediction, and they'll okay. they'll have a uh, they'll be eleven and seven. Ottawa Red Blacks over under eight. Uh, they'll be nine and nine over. Okay, Montreal Alouettes uh, over under seven and a half. Under, they'll have about yeah, six think, wins. Yeah, I think they might even only have five wins. Maybe to be honest five. With you. Yeah, they suck. Hamilton Hamilton Tiger Cats over under ten and a half. Uh, they are also going to have uh, eleven wins alongside the Toronto Argonauts, if that's mathematically possible. Okay, okay, it could be. Uh, Edmonton Elk uh, over under seven and a half. Under, I think they'll have seven wins. Maybe I think they're going to be last. They're going to be dead last in the West. Okay, and then the Calgary Stampeders nine and a half. Uh, I think they'll be a nine and nine football team, so under. BC Lions nine and a half. Uh, I'm also gonna say, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say they're a ten and eight football team. Okay. They're gonna be just above the stamps. And what about your Saskatchewan Rough Riders? My Saskatchewan Rough Riders over under seven. No, they're gonna be they're gonna be over. They're gonna be over that. I think they'll be nine and nine. Oh, not so. You got a couple of nine and nine teams. You got a Winnipeg team at eleven, and ten wins for the BC Lions. Very interesting. Mm. Very interesting. I don't know if that's, that's mathematically possible. There's probably some geeks out there, you know, yeah, probably the calculators and stuff. I'm not diving that deep into it. Okay, I'm just going off the top of my head here. I just let's focus on the rider one. I, I think seven is too. I think I think they can get to nine. I think nine is a great season for the Rough Riders to get into the playoffs. That's a three win total ahead of where they were with a new offensive coordinator, new uh, quarterback, everything like that, and I could see seven wins, but I think no. I, I'd be happy with nine. We have the second best quarterback in the division. Think of it that way. I mean, outside yeah. of Zach Kolaris, I mean, what else is there? Jake yeah, the no, Snake Mayor, he's not, he's not, I don't think he's going to be <laughs> anything. You know? No, that's a good point. That's a good point. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we wrap up with an interview that I did with Kelly Jeffrey, the offensive coordinator of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders after practice. This is the Sports Cage, uh, and it's brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM.